0: Live from Jacksonville University, from Swisher Historic Swisher Gym. We are inside the gym today. Typically, we do our show from a little bit uh, down the road at the uh, River House, but uh, we are here today uh, because the game starts at five. Ju versus Bellerman today. Um, UNF over at uh, at UNF's campus versus Eastern Kentucky tonight. They flip on Friday and we'll be there so we'll see Bellerman twice this week. We'll be at UNF for the Bellerman UNF game on Friday and Eastern Kentucky will play here and all kind of ramifications uh await. Uh, Hayes did a good job during the handoff of explaining that. I'm gonna ask him to explain it again in just a second. Frank Frangi, Lauren Brooks, Hayes Carline, Andrew Gibson here. I like being inside. Well, inside's good. I mean we were we were over there at the River House which we love. But it's going to be fun to watch the last hour of the show. We'll be watching some hoop, Brooks.
1: That's right. And I'm so glad, like Hayes said in the handoff, that we have a talented, esteemed, and veteran <laughs> play-by-play guy on the crew because well, I am not nearly uh, as good as, at that as you are. So I look forward to that hour.
0: Well, I'll tell you the real good play-by-play. The real play-by-play is on our, F- our AM. That is very Scott true. Scott Manzi's got it. So Scott, Scott Manzi got, is he's got the He's well got the real play-by-play. Play. You a, are true. Just, just a slappy that's going to be down, down the road watching him work. But uh, that's on our AM at 5. We'll be on FM and AM until then and then the FM until 6 o'clock. Hayes Carline from the bowl school checks in. All right, you did a good job, a better job than me. Explain 10 of the 14 teams in the A-Sun get to the conference tournament. That's Ex- right. Yeah. Yeah. Explain. Explain the circumstance for J.U. and you.
2: Well, really, to be honest, you know, college basketball season maybe has snuck up on a good bit Great of us. Uh, but the elimination time has come. And this might be the first Jacksonville might be the first uh, place where we're now into elimination territory because J.U. has absolutely got to win this game today. They are tied for 10th with Gulf Coast and the A-Sun standings. And again, only 10 of the 14 will advance to next week's A-Sun Conference Tournament. So uh, JU's got to get this game today against Bellarmine, who's 8-8 and in the league. Uh, so it's, it's a gettable game. Eastern Kentucky on Friday, and also the team that obviously uh, UNF is playing today, they're 11-5. and They're right now the three seed. So they've had an outstanding conference uh, run. And so this is the game that I think if you're JU, you need to get. If you can get today's game, then I think they're in great shape. Because, again, we mentioned this the other day, UNF is tied for eighth with Queens. Queens has two more games. Everybody has two more games left. Both of Queens's games are against Liberty, who's by far, I think, the best team uh, in the league. And so I think when you look at it, maybe Kennesaw State would argue that they're tied. Right. But if I had to bet, I'd say Liberty's the favorite to win the conference tournament. So uh, to have to play Liberty twice... Queens could fall. Jay, you could certainly gain some ground on on Queens, and obviously they've got to get ahead of Gulf Coast. So uh, it's, a, it's a huge game. I mean, it, it, this is really, I think if you're Jordan Mincy, you're telling your guys tonight, you're out of Mulligans. This is it. It's been a tough year. It's been a tougher year than what we thought, but everything is still in front of us. But we're we cannot make any more mistakes. Each game has got to be the best game we've played all year, and it's got to start today against Bellarmine or your season's going to be over. And, and I'd say it's going to be kind of embarrassing, I, I think, for both programs if they don't make the A-Sun tournament. Certainly incredibly disappointing uh, considering you only have to finish in the top ten in the league. These are two programs that certainly have way higher aspirations than that. So uh, I think for JU, it's, it, today's a pride game. You've got to get out there and get a win.
1: Do you like, Frank, how they do this, The t- only 10 of the 14 teams get in?
2: Well, yeah, yeah I'm okay with it. There's, there's so many teams.
0: There's only so much you can do. Remember, they don't play at a neutral site, so you're playing at campus sites the entire time. Yeah, you'd like everybody to be able to make the tournament, but because of the, the limitations in time and space, I'm okay with it. You'd, li- you'd like everybody to get in. You'd like that to, to, to Hayes' point, that's the beginning of the NCAA tournament. Really, that's the be- beginning of the elimination stuff, but I but get it. But you control your own destiny to that, that point. That's c- completely right. To your point again, Hayes, about that, uh, the point you made, the, these, these are good, proud programs. If you think about this for a second, today's game is a rematch of the Atlantic Sun Championship game a year ago. Bellarmine was not eligible for the NCAA tournament because they hadn't been in the league long enough. I don't think they're eligible this year either, by the way. But they weren't eligible. So if they won the, the – if, if JU had won that game last year, they were in. And If JU had won that game, they were going to the NCAA tournament. If they didn't win – I would have liked to have thought, well, since Bellerman can't go, they would go. But then it went back to the regular season champion, and that was Jacksonville State by a game. So Jacksonville State made the tournament. Who's
1: not even in the A-Sun anymore, right? Who's not even in the league (laughs)
0: anymore. So they're their their swan song. So it was really kind of a disappointing thing. But, Jay, you had a great season last year, got it to the final game of the A-Sun tournament, and then wound up losing on the road to Bellerman For the first time now, these two teams play first time since that matchup. So that's good stuff, and we'll see. We'll see that game coming up uh, today. I'll also remind you, since it's a 5 o'clock start, the reason we are in the gym, the reason we're in Swisher, is because it is a 5 o'clock start. Well, if it's a 5 o'clock start, hey, get off work and head over. Uh, there's plenty of room here. It's a fun. If you haven't been to Swisher, it's a fun, cozy little historic gymnasium. They've been playing it here for a long, long time now. Uh, you got a chance to come see some basketball. We'd love to have you stop by and, and see some basketball here. Uh, JU in Bellarmine again. We're glad to be here. Uh, for this game, Friday night, we'll be at UNF Arena uh, for that game against Bellarmine. By the way, this game starts at ES- it's 5 o'clock because it's an ESPNU game. So it's a nationally televised game. So a lot of fun coming up here today on the uh, on the broadcast and certainly uh, here at JU. By the way, I love the. I know they've got to build an arena. They have to. And, and, and the, the plans are in the works. The conversations are happening about JU building a what will probably be a 4,000-seat arena, give or take, similar to what UNF has. A little different, but but similar. But I like this. I like this place. I like the coziness. I've played in media games in here. It's a lot of fun. I think there's a charm to an old. I mean, remember this. When Artis Gilmore got to campus in 1969, this is where they play. Do you know? I mean, do you realize that? Now, they they played a few games in the Coliseum, and then when they got really good, they started playing all of the games in the Coliseum because they were one of the best teams in the country. But I I, I don't know about you, but I, I love a little gym like this.
2: Yeah, it's it's certainly a unique environment. It's certainly old school and uh yeah, I'm I'm I I think it's a lot of fun. It certainly gets loud uh, cuz it's it's confining. I mean, it's not very it is that. you know, it's the the roof isn't very high. It's it, you're you're sort of boxed in. Uh so it, it does give for being a smaller venue, it uh, does create kind of an intimidating presence I think for the for the opponent. And so yeah, it is. It's uh it's a lot of fun being here. Uh, but yeah, I'm also intrigued to see I mean we all know it's it's facilities, facilities, facilities when it comes to uh, taking a big step forward in, in college athletics. so I am excited also to see what the the next phase is for JU.
1: I think you can feel the history when you walk in and, and I think that's kind of cool. I, I love the fact that artists played here and, and you know the fact that when these students enter this gymnasium, they get reminded of how good this program once was, and, and certainly the jerseys yeah. on the wall. I, I think that's important. It, you know, young people sometimes need to be reminded of, of what came before them.
0: And you're right. There's, a lot, there, there's some NFL there's, NFL, there's some NBA guys up there on that wall, by the way. You know, there, not every gym's got a bunch of NBA guys. There's a bunch of NBA guys up on that wall, which is exactly right. All right, we got a lot to talk about. I'm going to keep it on basketball. When we come back, I've thought more through the Brandon Miller situation. More and more has come out. Nate Oates, as you know, the Alabama coach, has now come out with a statement. A lot of thoughts on that as we move forward. We'll talk some free agency today. We'll talk some Jaguar football, as we always do. The Gators losing a couple coaches off their football staff. We'll get to that. Uh, the Titans uh, releasing some named players. We've got a lot of stuff to do. Uh, Going to get to Lamar Jackson a bit today as well. A lot of stuff on the, on the docket. Glad you're with us on a Wednesday. This is 1010XL at 92.5 FM.
3: We've got the beat. We've
1: got the beat, all right. The Brooks Beat. Here's Lauren Brooks.
3: Never get lonely, I got these goals to keep me company I took the rear view off, put this so forward So I only see in front of me Now the past is out of sight and out of mind Swore I'd change, now I'm back chasing these white lines I'm just alone you are
1: listening to Jelly Roll. He's coming in concert for the Back Road Baptism Tour Friday, October 13th, along with Chase Rice, Struggle Jennings, and Josh Adam Myers. They're coming to the Vice Star Veterans Memorial Arena. If you want to go be caller number four right now, it's 641-1010. 10, 10. Call number four, 641-1010. 4, 10, 10. If you don't win the tickets, don't worry. You can buy them. They go on sale this Friday at 10 a.m. at Ticketmaster.com. Again, caller number four, 641-1010. 4, 10, 10, and you get to go see Jelly Roll and company.
0: The country guy. I didn't know. Is he, he is country, experience? yes. All, his or songs no? have, like
1: it says, back road baptism tour. His songs all have kind of a, a slight, I would say, Christian yeah. twist to them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, very... Very, very soulful. And Chase sure. Rice
0: is a country guy. Chase
1: Rice is 100 percent country.
0: Yeah, yes, that good. is for sure. I was told. I was telling you guys during the break. I was told that the, the ELO Experience, which we gave tickets away for yesterday, yeah, uh, was in town. A lot of my buddies went and were sending me stuff. I was telling Tom just during the break that the guy's really good. That they sounded. He sounded really looked and sounded like like Jeff Lynn. Remember when we saw the Fleetwood Mac. Tribute band? tribute band, for sure. The the lead singer looked and sounded like Stevie. Yeah. Apparently, the, the Tom, you've heard this guy. You've heard this group, right? This this this. Yeah, band. I saw them last year. They were good, huh? They there's two ELO bands, two one, both well, tribute bands. Yeah, right. One it's one of them has former members of ELO. Yeah, that's that's the one they that, that's what I thought this one was. I yeah. Thought, right. so, yeah. One of them I saw at Florida Theater, and then the other one I saw last year at. Um, the one in uh, Orange Park. Okay, yeah, the Thrasher, yeah. Thrasher yeah, Horn Thrasher Center, Horn. yeah. And I think this is the same band that okay. was at the Thrasher last year. Yeah, and the one that has the former members, they, they, they had the big split with Jeff Lynn, so I remember yeah. that. But they were, they were good, so I heard a, a, once I saw Jeff Lynn, it was hard for me to go see the tribute band. Yeah. I just like that. Yeah. I, I went one time to a, to a Eagles tribute band at Freebird. And didn't like it when it was still Freebird. Yeah, and I didn't. Like it, I said I can't. I just can't do I it. I think,
1: so. on, truth be told, I think some tribute bands are better than others.
0: Yeah, well, that's right. That's and right. Yeah, because like, that Fleetwood Mac one was great.
1: Right. I think it just all depends on yeah what what exactly you get. I heard there's a Johnny Cash tribute guy, not a whole band, but yeah. a guy coming uh, to the Palm Concert Hall, and I was like. That would be kind of fun, cause yeah. if, if he sounds just like Johnny especially, Cash, you close your eyes and you just sit back. Especially relax, if and he enjoy. pulls off the demeanor, you
0: know Absolute, Johnny Cash had right. demeanor the demeanor, Obviously him, wearing so, all
1: black. But, and, yeah, yeah, there you go.
0: All right, let's get to some stuff. All right, so the so the Brandon Miller thing. All right, look, and I thought about this. I've done everything I can to give everybody the benefit of the doubt. I've tried to think about the point JJ made on the handoff and on our and on their show today that maybe Brandon Miller thought thought Darius Miles was in some danger. I'm trying to think. What would I do if it was my friend? I've tried and tried and thought about it and thought about it and tried to be as fair and reasonable as I can. He brought a guy a gun at midnight that was used to murder someone. I don't see how he can play now. I don't see how he can. I I, and and I don't. I don't see how he can play. And I tried not to jump to a conclusion yesterday when I was doing this. We were doing the show, but I just. I just don't. I mean, even even if he was didn't break a law. The magnitude of the result, I don't see it, and he's, and he's probably the best player in college basketball. He's still certainly among those. Um, I feel for Alabama, which has never been to a Final Four. By the way, how's that possible? That Alabama's never been to a Final Four. But I, 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 don't think, given everything right now, I'm not trying to be harsh on Alabama. It has nothing to do with who it is. I'd feel the same way if it was Florida or anybody else. I don't, I don't see how he can, how you can continue to play him.
2: Bellerman just walked in. Do you want me to heckle them? Yeah, I think you do. Start I mean, the heckling?
0: Yeah, yeah the development Bell- team is walking down the steps right now. They have made their way to switch gym. They'll be warming up momentarily.
2: Yeah, um, and uh, I would agree. I-, I think it's a bad look for Alabama. They're going to certainly become the the villain because this-, this story is-, is such a tragedy. And if I was Alabama, even though he's not going to be prosecuted because – uh, you know they can't, for, at least at this point, and, and they must feel pretty confident of this that there's no smoking, you know, gun out there that's going to no text that says you know what the motive was going to be to bring the gun. Uh, so I understand legally, Miller is uh, is in the clear for now, but but certainly is is in the clear. Uh, I I just think it's such a awful, awful look. For Alabama to have somebody who was this indirectly involved in something so heinous, so uh, you know, legally, I, I think, I think for now the he's, Miller seems like he's he's going to be okay. But uh, if I was Alabama, I would just would be petrified. You know, they they can't possibly know everything in terms of how this. I would I would want the legal case completely over with before I played him, and obviously that's, you know, I mean, he's, he's got, you know, a few weeks left, and then he's going to be in the draft, so uh, I think it's a privilege to play collegiate athletics, and even though he's not in legal trouble, I think the, the nature of this is such that Alabama should not be having him represent them, I just, and, you know, I, I just think at this point, it's, the the line is too close, for my comfort
1: every student athlete is an ambassador for their university and that's why yesterday i I said i'm shocked that nato said he was just in the wrong place at the wrong time
0: which was an awful comment
1: really bad comment and then obviously he had to apologize and and no surprise there and and i said yesterday i I think alabama should suspend him based off of the circumstantial evidence that they have and and look i understand what that means for that kid and and certainly Brendan miller's or we hope that his intention was just to help a friend, not to help a friend commit murder. But at the same time, I can't imagine the situation where your friend says, bring me a gun. And you say, call the, you don't say call the police. That is the first and possibly in any dangerous situation, you call the police.
0: Yeah. Let me, and let me give Lauren a benefit of the doubt. Lauren hasn't wavered one. That was your exact opinion yesterday, when I was trying to work through it. And I think Hayes was too. Lauren, you said, Nope, I would not have given him. I wouldn't have brought him the gun and the guy shouldn't play. And so you I think we've all kind of caught up with you on that, but I think you you had you were you stood your ground from the moment it happened. I, I'm trying so hard to think what I would do, but I just it's not. Sometimes it's not about the action; it's about the result, and and when the action contributes to the result, that's what's happened here. And I, and I when I say it's not about the action, it's about the action, but it's not entirely about the action. I mean, if he'd have brought Jer- Darius Miles a gun. And the gun had got, and he and Miles had shot the gun into the air, and and he'd uh he'd have got arrested for improperly discharging a weapon, and had gotten a two years probation, or if somebody inadvertently got hit, and he got um, um some sort of an assault charge, and he, and, he, and he did two years, I could then see not, I could then see Brandon Miller playing. Okay, you see my point. If if the result had been different. Even if Brandon Miller had done the same thing and the result had been different, I could see him playing. But the result wasn't different. The result is somebody was murdered. And I, I just I just think it's – I almost think you, – listen, you're almost doing him a favor by not playing him. I mean, the the, the way he's going to be looked at, you're almost doing him a favor. It's not going to affect him. He's going to be a top three or four pick. He's, he's going to be – a I, I don't think it hurts his draft stock. I think he's going to be a millionaire. Uh, he didn't pull the trigger.
2: He didn't. I mean, unless we learn more Correct. about his involvement, yeah. if th- his legal position doesn't change, then yeah. it shouldn't affect him. It's not going to affect
0: him. You're almost doing him a favor. I mean, I feel bad for Alabama, which I don't think is nearly the same team without him. And they were, and they were, and they might be the best team in the country. You know, and so, but I, but that that's that's the way it goes.
1: Could Alabama suspend him for two weeks? Yeah. I mean, that's not. Yeah, 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 and I guess I feel punishment. like I'm saying.
0: The whole year, and I don't, I don't even know where I stand there. I just, I just don't know how he plays. When he handed a gun to somebody, and a moment later that gun was used to murder somebody. I just don't know, and it may not add up. It may be it may not be punishment fits the crime. I just don't know how we can watch the NCAA tournament, and there's the guy that, and there he goes, and, and, and they're playing Fordham in round one, and there's the guy. He just, he just went for thirty-eight points. Oh, by the way, that's the guy that brought the gun that killed the girl. I, I just, I'm trying to process. How it would be as we watched one of the most glorious
2: events in American sport. Well, the the other aspect to this too uh, that I I think has to be considered is I do think at eighteen or nineteen years old, if I had a buddy call me yeah. late and say I'm in danger, I feel like I need my gun. Can you bring it to me? Yes, I would have done that. I said that I said the same thing and, yesterday, and I don't. I, probably, I would have too, and I don't back off of that. Yeah, but what I'm saying now is. But this is what we didn't really get to yesterday. But you know, upon reflection, I think it has to be said. Okay, so I've done that. But if my buddy then turns around and kills somebody, right? Uh, particularly, you know, kills a, a female. Um, I mean, it'd be hard to live with yourself. I mean, I don't right. know that I could just continue with my basketball season. Right. I mean, and yeah, that's a great point. It doesn't seem like it, again, you know, it doesn't seem like there's there's much in terms of any sort of feeling of, boy, I wish this hadn't happened. I mean, Nate Oates embarrassed himself yesterday. Yeah, he did. I mean, yeah, he did. and so it, it seems like, you know, the, the program has been in the mode of whatever we have to do to prote- protect our potential right. national title is what we're going to do here. I just think, you know, I wouldn't even call it a suspension. I would just say he needs time. Yeah. I mean, he, it's, this is really taking a toll on him. I mean, again – whether he was innocent and in giving the gun or not and and again legally he is isn't there a, a moral weight to that 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 you made a decision that you thought was protecting your friend but your friend then goes and and kills a 23 year old woman I, I think I think it would be tough to totally separate myself and say I had nothing to do with this I had no idea what he was going to do with the gun
1: I also think you know your friend well enough to know, is this the type of hothead who might get in trouble if I bring them a gun? Or is this the type of person who it, it clearly is in self-defense mode, something like that? Like, I think, Brent, there's more to the story that we certainly don't know. And That's upon right. further questioning of Brennan Miller, tell us what you were thinking and, and why you did what you did and, and then what the aftermath has been like.
0: Yeah, and the real reality here, by the way, is that, if we're being honest here, and I'm trying, to be, I'm trying to be honest this entire time, if we're being, like, really honest here, well, you have a pretty good idea. If you bring somebody a gun, at, if no well, if he owns the gun and it's loaded and you bring him a loaded gun at midnight, someone's probably getting shot, you know, whether it's in self-defense or whatnot. And, I, and I'm also uncomfortable comfortable with the fact that he stayed. He was still there. I saw a story where his car his car and somebody else's car were blocking the other car of the person that got shot at. Whether that was on purpose or not, it was blocking the cars. He had two shots in his windshield that were part of all of it. Was he in the car when that happened or did he leave the car there to block the the, the other guy from getting away? I mean, by now someone's asked that question and and knows the answer. Or at least they, at least someone they know they know his answer to that.
2: I yeah, it, which is obviously plausible enough that he's not being charged. Yeah, correct. Correct. So I because I'm still surprised at how quickly they've dismissed him. I am too. And uh, but, I, I,
0: but I but I but I don't. I just again for me, I just can't imagine now that I know it. I'll feel different when I watch him play. I mean, I, I've watched him play. Didn't they play Florida since then? Wasn't the Florida game since then? Or yeah, it had to be. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so they just, the just played. Yeah, yeah, like a
2: couple of weeks ago. Yeah,
0: and I, and I'm raving about it. I'm going on the radio raving about how good this guy is. That how how I missed it. I thought he was just like Jamari Spence from Auburn
2: last year, good player but not mega great player.
0: Well, it turns out he's a great player. Well, yeah. and, it,
2: and it seems like, and again, this is probably speaks to how little attention college basketball now gets. It doesn't feel like this has been a story that the national media has pursued at all. Right now they will. They will now once the NCAA tournament you know begins because that becomes the spotlight event, and this is unfortunately going to be the uh, one of the bigger storylines, if not the biggest one. Uh, again, you're talking about a team in Alabama that's going to be a very high seed. And the, the other thing is you can't hide a player during the NCAA tournament from media. I mean, they may not put him up on right, the right. dais, you know, uh, but the locker room's open. We've all covered enough of those yeah, games. Yeah, and I mean, it, it's about the most media-friendly right. environment it is. to cover something uh, that, that exists. And Alabama's not going to be able to hide him. So, you know, again, this is something that they're going to, I think, need to really get in front of. And whether you want to call it a suspension uh, or whether you just want to say, uh, you know, the effects of this case have, uh, you know, have, have really taken their toll on, uh, on Miller. And, uh, and, and because of that, he's, you know, he's going to be out indefinitely. Um, And uh, I I think it it makes a lot of sense because it's it's such an ugly story. I think it
1: makes sense too, but I don't know that that's what's going to happen because we all know in the world of sports, Nate Oates wants Brandon Miller to play. And Nate Oates' athletic director at Alabama really probably wants Brandon Miller to play.
0: Greg Byrne, one of the real respected guys out there. Well, we'll see. see. Here's one thing. It's not like this is happening in October and we've got to wait three months to find out. They, They play tomorrow, right? They play tonight maybe. They play tonight. They probably play tonight. Probably. Yeah, I mean, if you, you play every, you play Tuesday, Wednesday every every week. There's no off weeks in the in, in in college basketball. Nine o'clock
1: tonight, Alabama at South Carolina. They
0: play tonight, so I guess we'll find out. I mean,
1: Alabama doesn't even need Brandon Miller to beat South Carolina.
0: But I wonder if he. I mean, I I'm assuming he's playing, right? There's There's, uh, yeah. there's, there's no indication. I mean, you know, uh, he's with the team. They're in Columbia.
2: Well, I've, I mean, Nate Oates was chalking it up to boys will be boys yeah, a day yeah. ago yeah. before yeah. he amended that. So, I mean, yeah, I I. Obviously, Alabama's position is he's in no legal hot water. So. Right.
1: So Dick Vitale tweeted out, I was shocked by the comments of Alabama men's basketball coach Nate Oates yesterday, but I am doubly shocked that superstar Brandon Miller is scheduled to play tonight. Isn't providing a gun to a teammate that was used in a murder a serious offense?
0: Yeah, I, 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 I think it's
1: going to gain more traction as I we, do too, as we I go on. I just
0: can't imagine he's playing in that game. We'll take a break. Uh, when we come back, I want to talk a little golf. Our friend Jared Rice joins us every Wednesday as we get closer and closer to the players. He'll join us by phone as we're live at JU. This is 1010XL at 92.5 FM. All right, welcome back to the program. Let's get it to golf. Our friend Jared Rice joins us now by phone since we're over here at JU, but we're getting closer and closer. Jared, how you doing, man? How are you?
4: Doing great. Love that that lead-in music. I know it well.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know you do. We are right around the corner. Hey, uh, let's look back at last weekend. Um, What did you make? Boy, I, we talk, I asked you last week, best player in the world. I think John Rahm is so good. He wins again. Um, your thoughts on how well he's playing, even, even though obviously Max Homa hung around with him. And what was your thought on how Tiger Woods did? I was encouraged, I thought, to see how Tiger Woods played in that thing. Jared? It, it,
4: it, was, a, it was an incredible week last week. And, um, you know, we, again, we were talking about it a little bit, and just to see how well John Rahm's playing is unbelievable. Um, I saw this quick stat. It was uh, he's got in his first 60 days this year, he's got a top seven in all five of his starts, three wins, 93 under in 20 rounds, 93 under in 20 wow. rounds. Wow! I mean, can we can we do that at putt putt in 20 rounds?
0: Nine, 93 uh, you know, under, wow!
4: It's it's incredible. So to say that he's uh, he's on a hot streak is nothing. I mean, it, period. Yes, he is. So. But to see with 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 Homa right there and you know pushing them and uh, Tiger being back as part of that mix, um, you know a lot of enthusiasm. Uh, the Netflix show is getting a lot of uh, good publicity and has, has been uh, has gone over pretty well. So a lot, a lot of winning our at our backs right now had been to players.
2: Jared, I thought the Max Homa press conference uh, was phenomenal, talking about how much the event means to him. Uh, and and again, I think that's what resonates as to why. Uh, fans of the sport appreciate what Rory and JT and the guys that have been loyal to the PGA Tour uh, have brought. But what was your takeaway on on Max Homa? Because it feels like he's got a chance for 2023 to really be a star-making year for him.
4: So it's funny, like, there's a lot of times we see these up-and-comers and and being, you know, here at the PGA Tour headquarters and, you know, seeing this next wave of stars coming up to the Corn Ferry Tour like he was one of those people that, you know, colleagues of mine that work in that group, like, look out for this guy. And his story is really, really incredible. And as awesome as, as Ram and JT and, and, and Rory are to see these players that have overcome adversity, um, you know, are a great follow on Twitter, by the way, he's, he's, he's pretty funny. So, you know, that's the point in my book, but competitively in the personality um, and, you know, what, you know, in, in a number of these instances, what it has taken for them to, you know, get to the level of game there are right now is um is an awesome story. And I think uh you know fans love it and love to follow him. I will say real quick, you know, his um you know, walk and talk at Tory, if you caught that uh, during competitive play was really cool. And um, you know, Colin Morikawa did the same thing uh last week at Genesis and um you know I think that's something to you know expect a little bit more of and for those of you who may not know is um you know, Max and Colin did just recently were just put the iPod uh, AirPod in and you know, talk with the announcers during competitive play, and um, I think it's one more way our, our players are, are getting closer to fans.
1: Yeah, Jared, I loved that. Does Tiger Woods have your direct line in case he wants to commit?
4: <laughs> Warren coming in with the, uh, the inside heater, I love it. Coming in hot, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, uh, enough about that. What do we do with Tiger? No. Um, let's see. Uh, we. We uh, we have a we have a hotel room for him uh, accommodations uh, a, a courtesy car and uh, we we will be ready if he's healthy enough to play and uh, it would be you know, again I, I think any any uh, any tournament director would, would tell you that that's uh, you know that w- that would be pretty awesome for their event so uh, <clears throat> he hasn't texted me yet but um, we will
2: be ready.
0: Uh, Jared, update us now. Uh, what, what, what's got your time other than everything? Uh, as we are about two and a half weeks out. I mean, of course, in great shape, uh, everything on, on pace.
4: Yeah, it, the, again, the, 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 we've gotten some awesome weather, so just the grounds are, are looking better than ever, and that's going to be great for our fans coming out. As I've said previously, you know, keep making and refining your plans. Uh, March 3rd, 4th, and 5th, um, that advance weekend, we've, we've got some special uh, hours around fa- the, the fan shop, uh, so you can come out and shop a little early. Uh, we're working with our partners uh, at Noble and we're going to do a community workout uh, during adv- that advanced weekend. So that'll be on uh, Saturday, the 4th. So uh, check your local gyms uh, that we're going to, we're going to do that out of uh, behind number 17 and do an outdoor workout. Um, so a lot of, that's just one example of a number of fun things we're doing uh, to get ready for players. So, um, you know, getting pretty close to finishing touches. We the, you know, the Iceman isn't here yet, but um, eh fencing is uh, just about completed and uh, we're, we're kind of on final approach
2: Jared we talked last week about how certain events had been elevated uh, this year on tour but what was the challenge in keeping the players championship still is the signature event of the tour schedule and, and what what has been done to make sure that that that, that the player still stands out yeah. from the events yeah. that have even been elevated?
4: I think it's a great question, Um, and for listeners that again are not necessarily core golf fans, I think what's really important is um, just organizationally, the PGA Tour is the Association of Men's Professional Golfers, so touring professionals, and um, you know the Players Championship is the event that they, the players themselves, own. Uh, It is at our home uh, here at TPC Sawgrass, our our headquarters facility. Uh, All of those kind of ancillary factors, um, and by the way, real combined with the competitive top to bottom, 144, statistically the best touring professionals, period, playing a course that doesn't favor any style of play. So it's going to mean you got to, you have be on your game. Um, and it's going to have the highest, the highest purse for all of those reasons. Plus, um, it, it's the hardest to win again for all of those factors. So, um, you know, I don't think it necessarily was a, was a challenge, to, to whether it's designated. Um, it, it's going to stand on its own and be in its own class, um, in, in, again, in light of all of those factors.
1: And Jared, we talk about how busy you guys are, but there's also some important golf tournaments happening. How much will you get to watch the Honda Classic considering that could affect who gets into your field?
4: Um, you know, the, the golf channel is, is on, uh, pretty much on repeat at this moment. So through the next couple of weeks, um, we'll, we'll have it on, uh, at all times, the, the you know, the field list, some of our featured, uh, if you follow us on social, our, uh, future player spotlights are coming out. So that's just reinforcing, uh, players that are, are playing to attend and the top names, as you would suspect. But, um, as we fill out our field, a lot of that has to do with Lauren, to your point, uh, performance at, uh, at Honda and, and API. So, uh Paying close attention to that, so we're, um, you know, labeling lockers correctly and getting courtesy cars ready and housing uh, squared away. So it's, uh, it's it's definitely coming quick.
0: I, I want to get more into the specifics of this next week when when you join us, Jared. But, but 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 a quick peek, are there any new? You've done such a good job with hospitality, trucks on ten or wherever you go, and you, you total talked about a little a few of them last week. Uh, the viewing around nine. But is there anything that really has your attention that hey you know what I've never told these guys as much about this or whether it's a hot not necessarily a viewing area but uh, a, a restaurant a, a food area something new something new-ish that kind of has, has has your attention this year?
4: Yeah, you know I, it's a it's a good question. Um, I, I think that, that you know the the taste of Jack's area um, which is over there by by eleven twelve fourteen um okay. again it's, it's it's a it's calm i mean you, you know about it but um you know some of the new restaurants we have in there and we can again talk about a couple of unique spots to, to really watch golf but um that to me that side of the course um especially on saturday and sunday and, and i think i might have mentioned this is that you know thinking about in 2019 Ram has a lead on sunday um his bunker shot on 11 that uh, he debated with his caddy and and um, you know he won the debate but lost the golf shot and essentially led to his third place finish. Great things happen on that side going into 16, 17, and 18. Those three are gonna be there. And it's a matter of hey, let's look at you know look at some other areas in the golf course, go exploring, and you're gonna see some incredible shot making. Behind 11 is awesome. We've got great restaurants over there. 12 is a drivable par four. Don't forget about that. 13, you see four or five shots of golf. On the right side of that green, and Taco Lou is out there. So, you know, those are four or five spots right off the top that um, you know are pretty incredible to be to be viewing and uh, enjoying some local flavors.
0: I'm excited, right? I want to go right now. I mean, when I heard you go through, let's go. Let's play that thing right now. I'm ready. All right, we're uh, we're giving away uh, two Wednesday tickets, uh, practice round tickets, and a $50 gift certificate to ABBQ. Give me a number, Jared. As we close this thing, who's getting those tickets? Number what?
4: Uh, we're going to go with number seven.
0: Love it. Lucky number seven is going to be the lucky winner here. Uh, 641-1010 is your number to call. The seventh caller is going to the practice round on Wednesday with two tickets and a $50 gift certificate to ABBQ. I'm getting excited, Jared. Thanks for joining us, brother. We'll talk to you next week, man.
4: It's going to be great. See you soon. Thanks.
0: Uh, all right. Jared Rice, good guy. and Man, he goes through all the – I get excited. I I, mean I, I mean, I get – I wish it lasted about four weeks. I mean it's it is He doesn't by the way, week. but it's yeah, a, such it, a great week. It really it's a really fun weekend and it's so much. and it's fun for everybody. It's fun you think about it, I mean it's fun for, for us in the media, it's fun fun for fans. I know I know how much hard work that tour staff puts into it and that player staff puts into it,
2: but you can see them beaming when it's going on. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and the way that some of these stars are playing, yes. We could have a Sunday leaderboard that may just be explosive, and I can't wait to see it play out.
0: Yeah, I'm telling you, because of what you just said, and I'm not just – this isn't just taking sides, but it really is true. These young players playing so well has made Liv seem like – yesterday's news even more. It seems like the, the over-the-hill gang, doesn't Well, it? no
2: one's ever going to, like, cry over barely yeah. losing a live event. Yeah. Like, it's, it's an exhibition. Yeah. No one cares. None of these events have any tradition. Yeah. And, look, these guys wanted to go make a ton of money to play golf yeah. on a abbreviated schedule. Look, okay, I get that. But it just makes me, as a fan, appreciate the guys on the PGA Tour that are playing for legacy, right? You know, I think that is so much more impressive than playing for the biggest check you could possibly get. Because it, again, it's not like the PGA Tour isn't taking care of their players financially. Uh, but it's uh, anyway to see Max Homa talk about uh, the the emotion and how much that event meant to him. Uh, it's it's just great. And and again, I think the the sport is in such fantastic shape. Uh, because of the young players that have decided the pga tour is where they want to play the their prime golf
1: yeah i think too we've never had a first timer win no surprise there because the course is so difficult but does that change with these new crops of excellent golfers that's something to watch and then like we just talked about the next two weeks i'll be paying way more attention to golf over the next two weeks to see who are the kind of the last guys to get in that they'll be fun to follow at the players as well
0: well here's the strength of the tour um i uh Cam Smith, local guy, got lives here. Supposed to be a really nice guy. The next big thing. Once he changed tours, I don't hear anybody asking about him. And I don't don't mean that in a mean way. Yeah, no, I mean it. I'm not trying to net knock Cam Smith. He's a wonderful young guy, and I hope he does has a great life and a great career. But I don't hear people talking about the tour's bigger than the players, and this that's the proof of it. I guess. Well,
2: honestly, like if let's just, I'll give you an example. If say Quan Barkley joined. The XFL, right. but indulge me. The XFL franchise that he joined gave him a $40 million a year deal right. to play there. No one would care right. because it's the XFL. And it no- doesn't carry right. any weight. And nobody would so ask how he's doing. That's great. Yeah. I mean, so great for Saquon. He's making obviously way more than, than he might make continuing with his NFL career. But no one is is, right. is is going to care about what he's doing anymore. So uh, I do think for the golfers that, particularly the golfers that still had a lot of their careers left, I think you are sacrificing notoriety. And, and again, they may not care, and that's fine. Uh, but you're, you're absolutely sacrificing your legacy. Uh, I mean, you're just not going to win events that anybody is going to care enough about on the live tour to ever have a career. That is going to be remotely memorable other than, oh, yeah, that's the guy that that one year won the players. That's and, right. That's and won right. the yes. British Open. That's right. And then was never heard from again because he won 78 exhibitions right. uh, for a Saudi-backed right. league Un- that no one cared about. That is uh, said dead on. Dead on.
1: By the way, a couple of names that uh, performed well at the Genesis who we haven't really talked about in years now, Matt Kuchar and Jason Day. Kuchar yeah. tied for eighth. Jason Day tied for ninth with Gary Woodland are – uh, good friend Jacob at Island Wings, his cousin. Those are guys, Matt Kucher has played, and Jason Day have both played really well at the players before. Are they all of a sudden back in the mix? Yeah,
2: they've won it before. Yeah. Right?
1: right.
0: Yeah, I mean. And, and, and Kucher maybe his time might have come and gone. Jason Day for a while I thought was the next guy. He was number one he, in the world for a yeah. Yeah. good yeah, And then he had while. the back
1: injury. Right. felt
0: like he was the next guy and then it didn't happen. So, so we'll see. I'll right, take a break. When we come back, uh, back to J.U., back to Swisher. Our friend Alex Ricker-Gilbert is the athletic director here. They tip off in about an hour or so. We'll talk some JU athletics after this. Welcome back to the program. Live from JU today, Frank Frangie, Hayes Carlyle, and Lauren Brooks, Andrew Gibson, back at World Headquarters, our buddy and show regular, Alex <laughs> Ricker gilbert joins us. He's the AD here. How you doing, buddy?
3: I'm doing well. Thanks for being in in Swisher Gym. It's going to be an exciting environment. We, we love having you. Yeah, this is an important run
0: now. We talked about it at the top. Obviously, the season was unbelievable last year. didn't go as well as you'd like this year. But you get in, none of that matters, right? I mean, is it, you're right. now, and Hayes made his point at the top of the show, we're now in elimination time sort of, aren't we?
3: Yeah, you know, you could look at it a lot of different ways. I think, you know, the cliche sort of thing to say is there's three seasons. Yeah. There's the non-con, there's the conference, and then there's the conference tournament. And I think we, we, we're not where we expected to be. Uh, we're not the only team in the country that's feeling that way. Um, but we play well this week. We're going to get into the tournament, um, and then you never know, right, because we are dangerous. Um, This team beat VCU, who's won 20 games in the A-10. Right. Like, if they have it in them, we have it in them. Um, We just need to play right at the right time. And this
2: is an older club in terms of the – you've got four just tremendous redshirt seniors. What have those guys meant, and are you hopeful that with the end kind of now close – That they're able to take their games to an even higher level
3: yeah i think that's a really good observation i think that we are veteran and i think the guys have stayed in it because of that um they they you know we've had some frustrating moments but they've been in it and they've continued to grind and practice hard and we've been playing better the last couple of weeks uh particularly defensively and that's sort of where we start um and I think you saw a really good offensive first half uh, last week against Lipscomb. Um, and so, we yeah, we just need to get our leaders to, to, to play and act like leaders, and we'll be right there.
1: And this is kind of a revenge game after the how the end of last season went, right?
3: Yeah, it's funny how the schedules worked out um, these last few years. Lipscomb, who we played on Saturday, we hadn't played there since uh, 2020. They've played four or five games here, and we've never had Bellarmine here. We've played four games there. I mean, and so no. this is the, fir- the first time they've played in Jacksonville.
0: Now, if I have this right, make sure, win both and you're in, or do you need help?
3: Well, it's it's um, there's a little bit of nuance to that. I would say if we win both, yeah, we're in. Right. Um, like, we are a game behind Queens, who we hold the breaker with, the right. tiebreaker with. They play Liberty twice, right? So that's hard. So, um, but you know they're a good team. So there's a lot bunched up. You know us and FGCU are tied. UNF and Queens are a game above us. There's a few teams behind us, and Bellarmine I think is two games up on us. And so I think if we play well and win both these games, our chances are pretty good.
2: And then I think you're going to get in. So you get in. So walk us through. The challenges of the Monday, Tuesday, and how the, the start of the conference tournament will go next week. Yeah,
3: um, I might need a math degree <laughs> to, 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 to best lay that out. Um, but, yeah, we'll likely be in that. We would likely, if we get in and when we get in, we'd likely be in that playing game, which is played at a neutral site at, I think, the high seed or the second seed. Yeah. Um, and then from there, you're likely on the road. Um and that's challenging, but we only had one. Even though we were the two seed in the East last year, we had one home game in the tournament, and then we went to Jacksonville State, who was the regular season champion. Right. And so, and beat them there. So they're experienced. We're experienced. You mentioned it. We're old. Um. And so we'll have to do a do do a lot away from the friendly confines of Swisher Gym. Um. But you get in there's there's no telling what can happen.
1: And this game will be on ESPN 2? ESPN
3: U, U. yep, tonight. Yeah, Tell us about that. Yeah, so uh, the league approached us, God, four or five months ago um, to talk about being the linear TV game, the ESPN U game, and made sense to do the rematch of the championship game that was last year. And we said, absolutely, this will be the first, we believe, somebody probably correct me out there listening, first uh, linear TV national TV game in Swisher Gym. Yeah,
0: first not stream game real game. Real game. Real TV game. Real TV game. Ever ever in the gym. Now I can tell you, when you told me that before we went on I said, you know, I'm a bit of a JU historian and I can tell you tons of games from the Coliseum back in the 70s that were on TV. In fact, after they went to the finals they had, whether it was Raycom or whoever it was then, every week every week JU was on Whichever syndicated station carried, it, whatever yep. station station carried the syndication, but I don't ever remember one from here. Yeah, so it's kind of cool. I mean, never, never one from here. I, mean, I and I remember, I remember all this uh, Henry Williams and all those teams, and but
2: uh, Cricket Williams, and but never, uh, and they are always on, but never here. Pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. Tell us about the two lacrosse programs.
3: Yeah, so it's been a you know a fun growth with those two programs. It's really niche, niche program for us both of them were the only men's program in florida are the women's college programs are really exploding um, but both teams are ranked inside the top 25 the men beat duke two saturdays ago again for the second time in a row so they might stop playing us uh, <laughs> going forward uh, but we beat duke them. drops ju yeah we <laughs> was we, at 11 we, we 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 beat them again the other day and they're the men are ranked 13th uh, in the country and the women beat Stanford on Monday. Uh, Tara Singleton, our new head coach's first win, and they're ranked 22nd, I believe. So uh, good, good, really, represent representation of the school, and it's been fun to watch that sport develop here, but also in the city. It's getting a lot more popular. So,
1: It is. It well, Cross is growing here, but I would guess that the recruits are still mainly from out of state.
3: Yeah, we ha- so we have... A really uh, diverse roster as far as where students are coming from, student-athletes are coming from, but the vast majority are still from the Mid-Atlantic, Maryland, uh, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania. Our men's program actually has a bunch of Canadians, um, several from Texas, few uh, twin brothers from the Upper Northwest, and so that's a program that I think has student-athletes, I mean, 60 guys on the team. I think we have 13 states represented, so... Um, it's been fun.
0: Off to a start in baseball. A tough schedule because you got FSU and then two against Florida next week. But do you like your baseball team? Does Chris Hayes like his team?
3: Yeah, I think you'll. I think this is a team as as t- Chris's teams tend to do that'll really see improvement as the year goes. Yeah. There, our Friday night guy's a freshman. Yeah. Uh, who had a really nice outing on Friday, um, which is not an easy task. He's a kid from Tampa, uh, Evan Crest, uh, who was drafted out of high school. Yeah. Um, not a big guy, but he gets it up to 95, 96, wow. which is neat to see. Um, and we've got some, some young guys, too, starting in the position, position players. But then we also have some um, veteran guys out there to add some depth. Depth, You know, Chris Armstrong, transfer here from Florida, he's a fifth-year guy. We've got Chase Malloy back, who's a fifth-year guy. And so it's a good mix of old and young, and I think we'll see that program you know, get better as the season goes.
2: You saw Florida State baseball up close. What were your impressions of their new program?
3: I was really impressed. Uh, I think they they executed really well offensively, and their pitchers did too. Obviously, their new coaching staff came from Notre Dame. Actually, their top assistant was here for a few years, uh, Rich Wallace, who, who we are very fond of, and you know we've kept in close touch with. And I was just impressed with how they carried themselves, how they played and sort of competed every at-bat, and I think they're going to do a nice job there and be a force here when years to come.
1: Are you nervous about tonight's game?
3: I'm well, not. And I say tonight, a game in 42 minutes. Yeah, 42 minutes. <laughs> a little strange uh, playing at 5 o'clock, but I feel pretty good. I feel good. You know, the guys, you know, we, it's, it's now or never. And so you gotta, You got to play well, and I think we will. And as, as uh, it's been alluded to, you know, we're veteran, and so we need those guys to step up.
0: Alex, we always ask you about portal and MAL and trends in college college athletics because you have such a good read on that and you're involved in it. This Alabama story is all the rage. Uh, Brandon, um, Brandon Miller. Miller, Brandon Miller, um, great player, great player. I mean, maybe the best player in the country. Uh, it comes out in the last few days that he brought the gun to his teammate Darius Miles, who then was part of a, a murder and now he's playing. We all talked about this at length yesterday and tried to get our head around it. Lauren, to her credit, said there's no way he should be playing yesterday. I think Hayes and I tried to digest it, tried to give Brandon every benefit of the doubt. Was he trying to help the guy defend himself? But I I, I now, even though he's not charged, I can't imagine him playing. I think the three of us are kind of feel the same way. He's going to play tonight against South Carolina, it looks like. If you're the AD, if you're Greg Byrne, are they getting it right, or are they getting it wrong? What, what's your take on this?
3: Yeah, I, I think the first thing I would say is that not to be lost is that this is a really tragic situation yeah, right. where somebody lost their life. Yeah, that's right. Uh, first and foremost. But um, I, I'm not just saying this because I am an AD. I haven't paid a great deal of attention to the specifics of it, other yeah. than it's a tragic. I saw that Brandon – was cited as somebody who was um, involved in providing uh, the weapon or had played a part in that. I, it's hard for me to say it's right or wrong. I hear um, you. But I would always err on the side of what's going to be best for the program yeah. and what's going to um, send the best message to the young men and women in the athletic department going forward just generally. Um, And so that would be my going in position, not knowing a whole lot about the situation. Um, my thought would be with everybody, um, not just the specific student-athletes involved, but who and how do we handle and go forward with them um, as student-athletes to ensure that they're safe and feel good about being Alabama student-athletes.
0: Alex Ricker Gilbert, the AD here at the JU. Big night tonight, big late afternoon, I guess is the way to say it. Five o'clock tip against Bellerman. JU can still get in that conference tournament. They've got to win a couple that probably gets them in. And if they do, uh, then you know what? Then it's elimination all the way to, to the to the NCAA tournament. So thanks for always doing. Thanks for setting us up here. We appreciate it. Good to see you.
3: Good to see you as always, and hope you enjoy the game.
0: Uh, we will for sure. We'll take a break. More in a moment. Live from Swisher Gym on 1010XL and 92.5 FM.
3: Jelly Roll is coming to town on
1: the Back Road Baptism morning, Tour. He comes to Vice Star Veterans Memorial Arena on Friday, October 13th alongside Chase Rice, Struggle Jennings, and Josh Adam Myers. If you would like to go, be caller number 5 at 641-1010. Caller number 5, 641-1010. We're giving away another pair of tickets in the 5 o'clock hour, so keep listening. If you don't win them, of course, you can buy them. They go on sale Friday morning at 10 a.m. at Ticketmaster.com. And it should be a very, very fun show. Frank Granger, Hayes Carline. I'm Lauren Brooks. Andrew Gibson back at Tencent XL. Headquarters, Tom Champion, making it happen all here live courtside as JU plays host to Bellarmine coming up in 32 minutes, Frank.
0: Yeah, and, I, and I, it's kind of cool, a 5 o'clock game. If you've heard our shows over the years, typically when we're at JU, we hang out at the River House, and a lot of the alumni come in and hang out before the game. It's kind of the uh, pre, it's kind of the tailgate, if you will, uh, for JU basketball, and typically we've kind of hung out over there but because this is for a, and it's a 7 o'clock tip, and we'll sit around there and we hang out a little bit, maybe grab dinner and then come over here. But because it's a 5 o'clock tip, we've been at courtside, and I've enjoyed it. I was watching earlier Jordan Davis, who's a, who's a wonderful, who's wonderful, a starter for JU, um, averages 9.4 points a game, plays 32 minutes. He probably plays as many minutes or more minutes than anybody else on the team. He even plays more than Kevion Nolan. He's a 30% three-point shooter, a 6'3 guard, very physical, I watched him, Hayes at the top of the key here, I watched Jordan Davis make 15 three-pointers in a row. Now, in the game, it's harder. But, I mean, you, no one's got a hand in your face. But it's amazing what a good shooters these guys are when they're just they're just knocking around. I, I literally watched him right in front of me make 15 in a row three-pointers.
2: Pretty amazing. It, it is incredible. And, uh, and Bellarmine as well. Uh, you know, yes. Bellarmine's got some... Uh, Some guys that can really shoot it as well in in this format. So, yeah, but once JU's defense is is locking down, it gets a lot more difficult. And, again, if if JU is going to have a a strong end to their year, the defense is going to have to elevate and play with an intensity that they were able to find last year. And it's really surprising to me that they haven't been able to find that on a consistent level because of all the experience that they have. They have a lot of guys that, look, you might be down to your last couple basketball games in your life in terms of competitive, organized basketball games. This is it, and I expect you're going to see a very intense JU team over these next, uh, certainly this week and certainly next week as well because I, I do think they're, they're, they're tied for 10th, uh, and, but I think they're going to get in. I think they're going to do enough this week, and I think they're going to get the help they need to get into the tournament next week.
1: Being at home is such an advantage in college basketball. We were talking about how hard it is to, to win on the road. They, they have such a great student section and, and fan alumni section here at JU. Like we talked about, it's a smaller gym, so it gets really loud in here. I think being home tonight and being home uh, on Friday is going to really help the Dolphins. And, oh, by the way, I believe the set is correct. Kevin Nolan has 51 games with scoring in double figures. Is
0: that right? Yeah. I believe it's
1: 51 because I think he got to 50. Uh, in the win right. over Austin P, and then he got to 51 against Lipscomb. All
0: right, so here, here just so you know, how we, we talked about kind of how these records, how the records work. There's 14 teams in the league. Ten, ten of those teams make the make the conference tournament. And once you're in the conference tournament, it's a one it's a one uh, one bid league. You win it, you go in. Of the 14 teams, three of those teams, Jacksonville State. Central Arkansas and Austin P are either 4-12 or 3-13 in the league. So they're out. They're mathematically out. So the other 11 teams are vying for 10 spots. That's what this means. It's 11 teams, uh, 11 teams fighting for 10 spots. JU and UNF are among those teams. UNF is one game better than JU. UNF is 7-9 in the league. Queens is 7-9 in the league. Gulf Coast is 6-10 and ten in the league. JU, 6-10 and ten in the league. Hayes, three of those four are going to make it. That's what makes it so intriguing. Three of the four at the bottom, near the bottom, are going to make it. And I say the bottom, not the bottom. but The other three are at the bottom. But, but three of those four, again, UNF, Queens, 7-9. and nine. JU, Gulf Coast, 6-10 three of the four are going to make it which is why these games for JU and UNF back-to-back home games are so important.
2: Yeah it's elimination I think uh, you know and Alex mentioned it I think with Queens playing Liberty twice this week that's awfully difficult. Uh, Queens is is seven and nine having not even seen Liberty yet so I think they're getting ready to be seven and eleven and JU has the tiebreaker over them so again I think the key is you need Liberty to have a big week. You need yeah. Liberty to, to help you out with two wins over Queens. Uh, Ju obviously needs to to win as well, and then you know we'll see what happens with Gulf Coast. But both Ju, and you, you and and UNF, I mean, the two games they have this week are difficult games. Bellarmine is is uh, eight and eight, right. so certainly a very you know solid team. And uh, Eastern Kentucky is third in the league at eleven and five. So. Queens has the hardest path, but it's not like JU and UNF have very easy paths this week either. They're going to have to play high-level basketball, and for JU that's going to be starting here in about 27 minutes. Yeah, for Queens, Lauren,
0: I mean, Queens has to play Liberty twice. They're probably going to lose both those games. So Queens is probably going to be 7-11. I I think logic tells us Queens is going to be 7-11. If JU wins once, they, if they win if they go 1-1 one one this week, they finish 7-11, and 11 and they have the tiebreaker over Queens. So for all practical purposes, J.U. can win once and they're in their
1: end. They certainly could. I, I think the Dolphins would like to obviously close out the season with two wins and, and finish strong based off of the experience that they have, and, and I think they're pretty healthy now. So I'm sure that's not what's being said in the locker room is, hey, just let's go 1-1. One Uh, but certainly that is something that could happen and it's so interesting when you're in control of your own destiny throughout most of the season and you get to this point and actually you have to kind of watch the scoreboard as to seeing what other teams do I mean if FGCU loses twice uh, they've got games against Lipscomb and Austin Peay and Austin Peay isn't very good but Austin Peay just beat UNF Uh, and so if FGCU loses twice and Queen's Beats Liberty just once, it, in a, everything gets really interesting at that point in time.
0: Yeah, UNF, by the way, it was a tough loss to Austin P. because they'd have been in, and Austin P.'s not very good. Uh, they have the worst record in the league, in the, le- the worst league record in the league. And they do have
1: three guys suspended after that fight. Austin right. P. does. UNF just one guy in Jonathan A.
0: Yeah, so if UNF, by the way, wins tonight against Eastern Kentucky, or if Bellerman beats JU, UNF is in. That is correct. UNF can get in. They play tonight at 7 o'clock against Eastern Kentucky, UNF Arena. If UNF wins that game or if JU loses this game, then the Ospreys are in. So the Ospreys in all likelihood with a good finish to their season. Again, that Austin P loss was a tough loss because that's not a very good team
2: and they let that one get away from them. So uh, right toward the end of the game. But UNF,
0: UNF, has, UNF I'd be surprised if, if they don't get in.
2: Oh, yeah. They're, they're in great shape as far as getting in. What was really disappointing about the lost Austin P. is UNF had a chance to possibly get to the sixth seed, and that is a massive advantage because yeah. you don't have to play Monday night to start the conference tournament. Now it looks like both UNF and JU, if they're in, will be in the 7-10 to 10 seed range, which means you've got to go. Uh, out of town to whoever the one or the two is depending on what side of the bracket you're in you've got to play a neutral site game there monday night if you win that game you've got to come back the next night and play either liberty or uh or kennesaw state so dawning challenge if unf could have avoided that and been the sixth seed obviously that would have been uh, a, a better path but that's not the case and uh, these guys, if they're going to do it, they're going to have to do it the hard way. Pelicans fun to watch. Warm up, aren't they?
0: They
1: are um, fun. I, mean, I like the drills that they do. And they they, have and have a they a look like team. they're enjoying themselves. They
0: have a big team, and they're running and dunking, and, yeah. and they're counting them down. They're a fun team to watch. Uh, watch warm up. No question about it. All right, will take a break. When we come back, uh, let's talk a little football. Florida is losing two uh, assistant football coaches. One's the defensive coordinator. One is a very good recruiter, one of the best on the staff. Both are headed to the Arizona Cardinals. What does that mean for Florida football? We'll discuss it after this.
1: Welcome back to the Franger Show live here at Swisher Gymnasium as JU plays host to Bellerman. tipping off in 17 minutes. All right, we're going to talk some Florida football. Florida, Frank, is losing two coaches to the NFL. Defensive coordinator Patrick Tony and Titans coach William Piegler will join the Arizona Cardinals. How does that affect the Gators?
0: Well, I... I think Tony's a good coach. I know fans don't. You know, fans are. Defense is no good to fire the coordinator. We're, we're in a the fire-the-coordinator world. But I think Tony's a pretty good coach. Very respected as a football coach. Uh, I'm not surprised the NFL was interested in him because I've been told by many that he's a really good coach. So I think I think that one hurts. I, that bothers me. Now, they replaced him already um, with the guy that was going to be the former defensive coordinator Southern Miss who was on Alabama's staff. If you're on Alabama's staff, it means you're probably a pretty good coach. But that one bothers me. Pigler is more of a, he's a tight ends coach, but Hazy's more of a uh, recruiter. He's known more for recruiting than he is for coaching. Um, but I think the Tony one bothers me a little bit. i uh, And again, maybe, is it Austin Armstrong that's replacing him? Correct. But yeah. I uh, i don't know much about him at
2: all. Pigler, I know, is a, is a recruiter they like. But I think Patrick Tony's a good football coach, so we'll see. I think it's an upgrade for Florida. I, I, I think that... Again, I think you're going to see this a lot if college coaches can go ahead and get to the NFL. I, I saw a prospect tweet out the other day all the letters and postcards that he's gotten from Florida coaches. Yeah, I, I can't imagine how tedious it must be a lot of as around. an assistant coach in college to write the letters that you've got to write. I mean, it, it's, it's unbelievable. And, uh, and you want to coach ball, and yeah, and so my guess is Patrick, Tony, and, and Piegler. I'm sure they had some idea of what it was going to be like recruiting Florida, but recruiting at Florida is different than recruiting at Louisiana, and the expectations and the time is so much more of an investment that I can't blame them. And I don't know that this is the reason, but if they just were like, look, if I can get to the NFL, where I don't have to send. Isaiah Simmons, a letter every eight minutes telling him how much I can't wait to coach him. No, I get that. Um, I, I, I totally understand why they'd be like, this isn't for me. Uh, it, college football, its highest level, is all recruiting now. That's all it is. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I do think that Billy Napier uh, did a, a fine job and in, uh, in bringing Armstrong in. I think he's a rising star in the profession. So, you know, and uh, and he'll replace Piegler, uh, I think, without any real trouble. So, uh, you know, I I'd like. I saw somebody throw out Jeff Scott is a uh, is a potential uh, addition. I'd love to see that. Great recruiter. Yeah, great recruiter. Um, and again, I think a, a, a good. You know, if you're depending on what you're asking him to do, but I think for that position. He'd be overqualified. And he's and he's made relationships in the state of Florida because he's been at UCF a few years. Absolutely. Yeah, so, I, and, he, and he is an all-world good yeah. too. Yeah, so I'd, I'd like to see that. I don't know if that's the direction Napier well, will go. Well, Napier's going to go. But,
0: and I assume Napier knows him because they right. coached together at Clemson. They talked about it when they played him last yeah. year, that they go way back. So... You do think he's going to hire a guy. You do think he's going to hire a guy he
2: knows. And I'm sure he has even more respect for Scott after the fact that UCF basically was a USF. jobbed, USF was jobbed out of the Should have won uh, win. Yeah. Certainly, uh, Certainly could have. Yeah. Um, so uh, I
0: didn't I didn't know that until you said that. I, I hadn't thought about that. But they go way back. They're buddies. They coach together at Clemson. And Jeff Scott is a voracious recruiter. And, a, and, look, he didn't turn out to do very well as a head coach. But he and Tony Elliott together
2: built a pretty good offense at Clemson. They did, and, and from the Armstrong angle, I like the fact, look, he, he just got hired at Alabama. Now is a, a position coach, but you've got a chance to work with Nick Saban. That's, i got to think you're not leaving for something unless it's, it's pretty spectacular. It gives me some encouragement. Armstrong obviously looked at what Florida has and what Napier brought in in this recruiting cycle. I'm sure he was pretty familiar with the talent. And the fact that he's like, no, this is a place that I want to go. This is a, you know, this is a destination where I think I can, I can build a a big time defense. I think that's good to see because we've talked about it. Florida's defense, their issues have not been because of a poor scheme. Their issues have been, they've got no talent on that side of the ball. But I do think Billy Napier and his staff did a good job of bringing in a very quality defensive group in this signing class.
1: Yeah, I think it, you don't love the timing of losing your defensive coordinator as far as it being this close to when spring practice begins. But certainly the fact that Napier was able to replace Patrick Tony very quickly, you definitely want to hire guys that are also going to recruit as well as the guys that you're losing. But yeah, I mean, I think, I didn't think Patrick Tony did a great job, but I don't think it was Patrick Tony's fault. I think it was the defensive players that were running out there's fault.
0: Yeah, yeah, I do too. I. I... Again, I, I, I'm always amused at the fire to fire the coordinator crowd. You know, well, team went good. Let's fire the coach. Yeah. If fans always wanted to fire coaches as fast as they do now, has it always been that way? We just see it more because of social.
2: I think it's. I think it's been accelerated. Yeah. You know, I, I think. Uh, you know, honestly, I. I think one of the the big kind of turning points in sports fandom was the uh, Zuck. Uh, skeptics ultimately being they in their perception right, right. and I think that right. kind of led to because there was a lot. Of, how could right. you possibly do this? He the guy never really got a chance, it was fire Ron Zook right out of the gate, right? And and then it didn't work. Now it might have had he gotten more time because he had recruited at such a high level, yeah. but I think you know that was so publicized that, and again, over the last 20 years. I think it's just been so many instances of that. Yeah, uh, we've seen coaches lose their jobs even at the NFL level after a year. Uh, look at the Jaguars. I mean, they're going to now be perceived as it was incredibly smart to go ahead and fire Urban Meyer and not buy into the well he needed a year and let him get settled. You know, they, they went ahead and fired shot fired Urban, and then it worked out beautifully in, in getting Doug Peterson. We'll see you in Denver. You know, they fire Nathaniel Hackett after a year. They bring in Sean Payton. If Sean Payton wins 11 games next year, it's just going to be another, you know, part of another example fans can give as to why you can't have patience. If it's not working, fire the guy and go get the next guy.
1: Sometimes the fans are right, to your point. The FSU fans were right to want Willie Taggart out before he should have, as far as in theory, getting three years and getting to build the program. Florida fans were probably right about McIlwain or Mullen about their times Must champ got a little longer. Sometimes the fans have a pulse on it and they just know. And then there's other times that the fans, if they're, you know, any fan that was fire Mike White, I think they were in the wrong. Even though I don't think that it was an awful thing that he left, I still don't think those fans were right. And then there are, yes, there are exceptions as to when some coaches are going to need longer because of what they inherited, but fans may not fully understand that.
0: I can live with it more with head coaches, because head coaches have one job, win the game, and there's a pretty clear metric with them that doesn't bother me. It still bothers me, but not as much. I'll tell you what really bothers me about fans. And again, I'm a fan, too. I'm not pointing to anybody other than myself. But this is one that really bothers me. The, the one that makes me chuckle the most, and I'm a Pirates fan, right? So I'm on all these Pirates the message boards and the social—you see all the social stuff—and the same guy that'll say, "I can't believe our owner is so cheap and he's so awful, and our players are just terrible. And it's the worst roster ever. We have a 50 million dollar payroll, and the Mets have 300, and then two weeks later, the guy will go fire the hitting coach. We have we're, we're last in the league in hitting. Well, you just said the players are no good, right? I mean, I mean, I, I see, and I'll I see this with, again with Pirates fans. Fire the hitting coach. I, you can't imagine how many guys want to fire the hitting coach because you're last in the league in hitting, and you have the smallest payroll. That guy always be
2: crazy. Yeah, and, and again, there's been, getting back to Florida and Tony, there's been some you know, debate on, well, is this a sign that Patrick Tony is getting out while the getting is good? Because I, I don't see it as that. I, I think it's the recruiting demands. I, I can't imagine Patrick Tony would see the amount of freshmen that are coming in. I mean, again, their defensive line group, and their uh, defensive backs group is elite. I mean, elite. And I, I just can't imagine that it would be, ah, it's not going to work here, and I need to get somewhere else. I mean, if he had taken the defensive coordinator job at East Carolina, I could buy into that. But he's going to the NFL. Right. I mean.
0: Yeah, sometimes yeah. people want to do something different. Yeah, I mean, he might have said, I want to I be an NFL coach.
1: And at that level, I would imagine that NFL assistants are paid – Fairly more than college assistants.
2: He's probably, I would say from a pay standpoint, he's probably making slightly less yeah. to go. But from a lifestyle standpoint, yeah, yeah. Yeah. in not having to write 8,000 letters to prospects every week about how much I can't wait to coach you, <laughs> I mean, I can't imagine how like soul-crushing that would be to have to do that at that level of volume yeah. every single week. Knowing, eighty-eight percent—if you're great, eighty-eight percent of the guys you're writing these letters to, you're never going to coach.
0: And by the way, here let me tell you the other part of it too. Sometimes you move, you didn't like it. You could be—you could be a banker and accountant, and you move from from Jacksonville to Memphis and decide don't really like Memphis. You know what I mean? And, and if you're good, you're going to have opportunities. So, but anyway, I hope you're right about Austin. I think Patrick Tony's a good coach. I think he is. But, by all accounts, Armstrong is, too. Look, when Nick Saban hires you, you're probably a pretty good coach.
1: Yeah, how do you think that conversation went? Because he had only been there for, what, like six weeks, Hayes?
2: Yeah. Yeah, it was very quick. So when
1: Austin calls Nick like, hey, Nick, I'm out, how do you think that went?
2: Coach Saban, I feel like (laughs) I'm ready. Actually.
1: I've learned a lot from you
2: over these last six weeks. Alabama officially
0: hired him February 13th. That's when he got this job, okay?
1: So a week. He he
0: lasted (laughs) nine days. He lasted nine days in Alabama. So, um.
1: By the way, did y'all see the story? I read, I think, in Peter King's Football Morning in America that Jonathan Gannon, the Eagles defensive coordinator, that the Eagles organization offered him more as a defensive coordinator than he would make as the Cardinals head coach to stay in Philadelphia. Really? But he wanted to go be a head coach. Well,
0: sure you do, but, I mean, yeah. is that true?
2: There's no limit on what you can. I mean, again, this goes back to the Josh McDaniels right. reversing on the Colts and Robert Kraft had to have offered him something yeah. remarkable. I'll be damned. Uh, so, yeah. So, you what, can, would, that, so what you would
0: that number be? Probably. Far?
2: I bet you the Cardinals were willing to pay him three, and he's making four, or, or vice versa. Yeah. The Cardinals probably are paying him three, and the Eagles probably offered him four to stay.
0: How about that?
1: And it could be more than that. It, but, like you said, there's no limit. So, if they wanted to keep him, and obviously Nick Sirianni would have liked that, but – and, then of course, he was going to take the head coaching position.
0: Yeah, interesting stuff. So we'll see uh, We'll see how it all plays out. again, you said it best at the top. The reason recruiting matters more than ever, it's not that suddenly the coaching is bad. It's just the opposite. I think coaches are so good now that they're all so good now that that you, it's hard to outcoach coach anybody. You know, back in the day – The X's and O's mattered because not everybody had good X's and O's guys. Now it's not like the great coaches aren't great anymore. It's just everybody. uh, The X's and O's are so refined. What people are doing is so – I think there's just so many – don't you think that there's just so many good football coaches now?
1: I think there's good coaches, but I also think, case it's easier to find the elite athletes. Like now there are these services and videos – of virtually every high school game you want to watch, so they have easier access to figure out who are the true four and five star players.
2: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I think it's uh, I think it I think it's awfully difficult uh, for the uh, for the elite to separate. And again, what George has been able to do, uh, what the the dynasty Nick Saban has built, uh, it's it's remarkable. And uh, yeah, I think it's. It's going to be fun to see who's the uh, who's who's next. Somebody will eventually be next. Who is it going to be?
0: Lauren, were you on? Uh, you might have left yesterday when we saw the recruiting budgets. Were you still there? We read the recruiting. I have left. The Georgia Georgia's recruiting budget was four point five million, and nobody else in the country was at three million.
2: I, I do. I will say this, and I forgot to uh, mention this yesterday. I think Greg McHarety, our good friend uh, from the Gator Bowl, has told us yeah. that Florida doesn't like Georgia doesn't have planes. Correct. Right. So their expenses are always going to look more. Florida and some of these schools have their own planes. Most of them. So they don't. Good point. So there could be something that helps yeah. even I, that out, I, but it's still it's a it's a it's still a, a tremendous investment. Look, it's paying off for Georgia. And, and
0: the bottom line is, oh by the way the team with those with that high number has the best player and
1: it's yeah it's obviously worth every dollar remember Denny Thompson told us probably pre-COVID I think it's been that long that the way Georgia handled its recruits was better than any other school that he dealt with and the five-star treatment ended up making every single player absolutely want to attend Georgia regardless of what their childhood allegiance was and so Kirby Smart figured that out, whether he got that from Nick Saban or whether he created the path himself. Uh, But every single recruit had an incredible experience. Yeah,
0: and being good at recruiting. Again, Hayes, I think it was last year, might have been the year before, when you said it on our show. Pretty much that's
2: what it's about now. It really is. It's it's about who's got the best guys. Yeah, if I was an AD and I had to hire a new head coach and I was meeting with candidates – we'd spend way more time talking about the recruiting structure than we would anything schematic with the sport. Right.
0: And, again, and I'll say it again, it's not because I think coaches aren't good anymore. It's because the, the opposite. I think coaches are so good that you can't outcoach each other anymore. Not, not that much. That doesn't mean you can't do a point, but they're so good. I, I just do. I think so uh, It'll be interesting to see. We have J.U. and Billerman coming up here in, in just a bit, and I'm excited about it, too. Uh, it's always fun to be courtside. It's really kind of fun to do a talk show where you're courtside. We don't get to do that very you know, we don't get to I, do this that. This is a normal. first for me. How yeah. often
2: have you done this?
0: I can't remember, hardly ever. I'm yeah. trying to think. We've been, at J, we've been at UNF courtside a few times right before games, and when, in our show we've been at along the the baseline. Yeah. But never during the game, right?
1: I think just baseball we've done it.
0: No, we have done baseball.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But that this is a totally different yeah environment. I, I really I, my hope is that somebody comes diving at us.
0: Yeah. Good.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, Lauren and I were at a UNF game when Dallas Moore wound up kind of in my lap. Yeah. And almost yours, I remember. Remember yeah, that?
1: Yeah, I helped him yeah, get back yeah, over the down, table. Down.
2: I want, I want Omar Payne to come diving for a ball over <laughs> yeah, there.
0: Yeah, yeah. Maybe Omar should dive more next to us instead <laughs> of on us. I think He's he six would. Four, uh,
1: I think he'd hit the court side seat holders before us.
0: But it is fun being here. And again, there's some excitement in the arena because ESPNU is here, and they're certainly excited about that. You don't get to that uh, every day at a uh, at a Ju game. So JU and Bellarmine, they get going in just a bit uh, uh, in a very important game. One more time. JU's got to win. JU's got to win at least once and then hope Queens loses twice and that's kind of where we are. So uh, we'll take a break. When we come back, uh, we'll tell you how the game kicks off and we got an hour to go on the program. This is 1010XL at 92.5 yeah. FM. All right, we're about to have a tip-off here. Bellarmine versus Ju. One more hour to go in our program. One more time, Ju and UNF both trying to get to the uh, the sun tournament. To get to the A-Sun tournament, you got to be in the top ten in the league. Uh, Ju and UNF again among the uh, teams. It's really eleven team teams fighting for ten spots, and they're two of the they're, they're two of the four that are fighting for three spots at the bottom. Here we go. Here we go. All right, yeah, you and you, uh, It is kind of fun. A, a talk show during a basketball game, and that'll be an awful lot of fun. Again, I'm not going to do play-by-play. I don't want to be disrespectful to my friend Scott Manzie, who will do a great job of play-by-play, but it is kind of fun being here. Uh, the, the gym is filling up now. It's harder to get students here, by the way. Here's the main reason it's hard to get students here for a 5 o'clock game. A large part of the students who support basketball are the ones who play other sports, right. and they're at practice. Right. The, the, the biggest problem you have is right now they're at practice, and it's hard to get them here.
1: Yeah, and I do think there's a, still a decent amount of students here for a 5 p.m. tip, and, and certainly a really good crowd uh, as far as alumni and fans go. So it's still loud in Swisher. That's the beautiful part about this gym.
0: Yeah, we'll an update you. No know, score yet. Uh, Bellerman versus JU just underway at Swisher Gym. Uh, let's get to some football while we watch here, Hayes. Um, Taylor Lawan, Robert Woods gone from... Tennessee they had to get uh, their cap in order but is that a sign in your mind that they may be whittling and move you you've said all along it's time for them to cut and move on and rebuild is that an indication that maybe that's what's happening
2: I, I don't think it is yet because I think Luan and Woods had sort of gotten to the point in their careers where they just aren't worth significant investment anymore so it this seems more Shaq Griffin to me than uh, than cutting core players Uh, So I I still think the jury is somewhat out on what the Titans will decide to do. And, again, I think the biggest thing is going to be Aaron Rodgers. Does he decide to play again? If he does decide to play again, does he want to be traded? Uh, And if he wants to be traded, how aggressive is Tennessee? Because if, if Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay are willing to separate, then the Titans should be really pursuing him at all costs making whatever offer they have to make to secure his services. Because that would be the indication that, look, they realize they've got one or two more years with, with Derrick Henry. And if you pair him with Aaron Rodgers, then certainly you could have something pretty dynamic offensively.
1: I can't remember exactly, but wasn't one hurt for a period he of decision, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I think you're talking about a, a nine-year veteran who also wasn't able to be healthy. And so you, at some point, yeah, you have to make those decisions. But I did see today that a source thinks who knows who that source is. It could be Aaron himself if he's out of the isolation darkness uh, retreat, but that he wants to stay with the Packers. Yeah. So that was a surprising thing to me.
0: Jordan uh, Davis just drained a three from the corner. I'm he telling you. He pre- heard you talk about in pregame. It was amazing how many he made in pregame. And he just bombed one here to uh, give Ju an early three to two lead over Bellerman. Hey, do you think Taylor Lewan's getting left?
2: I don't. Uh, you know, I, I think that. I mean, he'll he'll end up somewhere. But right, he'll play. Uh, but yeah, I like the fact that I you know that from a Jaguars perspective, the the two players that the Titans release. I mean, they released a kicker too. But I, I you know. Uh, but in terms of significance, uh, you know, I, I think it's, it's a good position to be in. I think if you're the Jaguars, you don't, give, you don't kick the tires on the one at all. You don't oh, have any no, conversations no. about him. And I don't think you have any conversations about Robert Woods. So uh, it, it, it'll be interesting to see what uh, Tennessee does elect to do. Obviously, left tackle is a paramount need for the Tennessee Titans. So,
1: and all the mock drafts have them going there.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it'd be really hard to see them going in any other direction, assuming they don't uh, solidify it in free agency. Yeah. Uh, and- but they've got a lot of problems. I mean, again, the Jaguars don't have problems. Not like that. I mean, I can go through and give you 20 guys – that I feel pretty good about with the Jaguars. Trevor Lawrence, Christian Kirk, Aluakon, Ridley, Tyson Campbell, Josh Allen, Etienne, Ingram, Cam Robinson, Sheriff, Zay Jones, Trayvon Walker, Luke Fortner, uh, Key if he's back, right. Lloyd, Roy Robertson-Harris, Rayshon Jenkins, Logan Cook, Jamal Agnew, Andre Sisco, Devon Hamilton, Foley Fatakasi, Darius Williams, Walker Little. You can't do that at all with Tennessee. You get to, you get to probably about the seventh-eighth guy with the titans and it's a drop off a steep steep cliff uh so again it's uh i think it just that's why i think tennessee should go ahead and rebuild i think it would be the best for them uh you know but i'd love to see them i don't want to see them get aaron Rodgers because then i think they've got to be feared a little bit but i'd love to see them get Carr or get garoppolo and try to pay some above average player $35 million a year to try and stay relevant because all that's going to do is push them down the line and probably keep them in that 10 to 16 range in the draft which is going to make it very difficult for them to get that elite quarterback I want no part of Caleb Williams finding his way to Nashville Yeah, and I
0: told you guys this before my friend Mike Keith who will visit with us next week at the Combine told me He's done it. He's been there the whole time. He said there's more questions in his mind, more questions about what they might do, than there have been in any offseason he can remember. And this is a guy that's been there the whole time. So certainly there's a uh, a lot of debate about what the uh, about what the Titans might do. And do Rand you know Frank, Rand
1: Carthon at all?
0: I don't know Rand. Okay. I, remember, I remember Rand, but I don't sure. know him. But we'll see him next week. Yeah. He'll 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 certainly be at the podium, the new general manager of. I remember he, he was there during the Zook years. So I can remember him being there very, very well. Sharp football guy. sharp But I did not know him very well.
1: Well, I appreciate his predecessor uh, trading away who I think might have been the Titans' second or third best Brown, player, yeah. player in A.J. Brown. And you
0: know what? In retrospect, that might go down. That You might look back and say, of all the moves teams have made around here, that might be the biggest
2: gaffe of all of them. Yeah, yeah. How, how could you do that? I mean, it's even
1: worse than trading DeAndre Hopkins away for the Texans.
2: Yeah, because Hopkins was at, at least probably, what, 30, 31 right. when they made that move. And
1: then ended up getting suspended after that. Yeah, A.J. I mean, Brown is a beast.
0: He hasn't even gotten
2: to the prime of his career yet. Right. You know, when you think about it,
0: when when you when you lose a Jalen Ramsey or Calais Campbell or an A.J. Brown, you suddenly not very good. I mean, that's not unusual. But the Titans haven't been that team. They haven't been the team that all of a sudden makes a move and they're not as good. But they, I mean, again, we'll see if they're able to bounce back. My other question for you is about Lamar Jackson. I told you we were going to get to him today. Where's Lamar Jackson? You're convinced that somehow, some way he saves with the
2: Ravens even if they franchise him.
0: Any doubt in your mind about that? Why or why not?
2: I think he's going to be a Raven this year uh, on the tag. I don't think they'll seriously entertain a trade offer unless some team just gives them something that it would be really hard to say no to. I I don't think he's untradeable, but I think it would be it would take something extraordinary uh, for for Baltimore to move on and and make the deal. He's beloved in Baltimore. Uh, He's obviously been a great player. We've talked about his outstanding Record as a starter there, and and that's not one of these. Well, he didn't have much to do with it. He has ninety percent to do with it in terms of why the Ravens have been so successful. But the problem is he's just been unavailable these last two stretch runs, and Baltimore has been in great shape both times. Uh, then Lamar Jackson's gotten injured, missed the final month or six weeks, and it's just sunk both seasons. So. I think Baltimore's looking at it like we'll apply the tag, and if, if he has a great year, if he stays healthy, we'll give him the, the biggest contract in NFL history. But I, I think I, I understand why Baltimore needs to, to see it before they give him the fully guaranteed mega deal that he seeks.
1: Yeah, of course. The, the problem with the negotiation tactic is, who is Baltimore going to get if they trade Lamar Jackson away? What quarterback is going to come in and run the scheme that they have, and especially where they're picking and everything? Like They don't have, I don't think, a path to get a better quarterback than Lamar Jackson.
0: Yeah, well, and I agree with that for this reason. I think he's really good. I think the, the, the throw that jumped off the page for me when they were here was the Jags had fought back and battled back, and I think he'd taken the lead or certainly was close to it. And then he made the deep throw to Deshaun Jackson. Remember the deep throw to yep. the veteran? That one, man. Oh man, I, I thought that throw. That was an elite throw. That wasn't a guy's a better runner than passer, but you know that was a that was a big boy throw in a big boy game. I think that one that one probably stands out in my mind as much as any throw he made all year. Yeah, well, I saw, it, again,
2: know. he he's an electric electric player. I mean, he it's it's just a matter of uh, his health. And and again, Baltimore could decide uh, as they get closer to this uh, there's a lot of teams that would love to have him, and they could get, as they get closer to this they could say, alright, let, let's try to, we're not going to be able to give them the fully guaranteed Deshaun Watson deal. That would be irresponsible. But can they get a little closer to it than maybe what their best offer has been? I wouldn't be surprised if the tag is placed on Lamar Jackson, and maybe this summer they're able to, to reach the, the big-time deal because if you let him go, to Lauren's point, you're now in quarterback purgatory, and that can be a, a tough place to get out from under, uh, you know, what what are going to be your options as you move forward. So if you have Lamar Jackson playing at the level he's playing when he's healthy, tough to get rid of him, but, uh, but they also have to make the determination of his availability and is is his the last two years is that going to be indicative of where his career is going over the next three or four years because if he's not going to be available in December he's not going to be a lot of good
1: and by the way this is why the NFL owners were so furious with the Browns and the Browns ownership group for giving Deshaun Watson that contract because a, he didn't earn it at that point in time, especially with all the legal troubles. But B, it set a new standard for guaranteed money that most other owners were not willing or are not willing to go that route unless it's a Patrick Mahomes. And we'll see that with Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts, all those guys. But anybody else doesn't fit that criteria.
0: It's a physical start here, a defensive game. Bellarmine leads JU 8-7, to seven, now 9-7. to seven with 14.22 to play in the first half. We'll take a break. More in a moment from Swisher on 1010XL and 92.5 FM.
1: You're listening to a little Chase Rice as Chase Rice joins Jelly Roll in the back road. Baptism to song called Carolina Can. They are coming in concert to Vice our Veterans Memorial Arena on Friday, October 13th. It is your last chance to win tickets before you can buy them. Be caller number six at 641-1010. Caller number six. 6 4 1, 10, 10 Tickets go on sale February 24th. That would be this Friday at 10 a.m. at Ticketmaster.com. Again, that's Jelly Roll, Chase Rice, Struggle Jennings, and Josh Adam Myers. Friday, October 13th. Hope everyone is calling and trying to win because it's going to be a very fun concert. And we've got a good game here, Frank.
0: Yeah, 16-13. JU leads it inside of 10 minutes to play in the half. 16-13, JU over Belmont. By the way, it looks like Chase Rice... Choose Red Man and, and drinks pbr That
1: would be correct. Does that
0: surprise you with a country? It, it,
1: that does not surprise is me.
0: That, okay this is, So, not craft beer for Chase Rice? No. No, I didn't think no,
1: Now that I think about it, I don't think in any country song I've ever heard there's any mention of craft beer, but I maybe would. that's because they haven't been to Strings or Intuition. Maybe that's why. <laughs> I
0: think that's probably it. I think you're probably right. So, uh, that's coming up this uh, Nick Holtz is the new passing game coordinator, a longtime Raiders assistant, most recently the offensive coordinator at UNLV. Uh, I'll say this, I don't know much about him, we'll learn more about him, but Doug Peterson uh, acted very quickly here, which I think is a good sign, Hayes.
2: Yeah, I think so too, and, and again, uh, with any new coach that comes in here, uh, the message is going to be pretty easy don't screw it up because everything is going really well right now and uh but yeah i mean i have every confidence that he'll be a good addition and uh yeah i mean i love the staff that, that doug peterson has built since he's been the head coach and uh, i i've got he's got my full confidence so i uh, excited to, to learn more about him but uh but yeah it's basically you don't have to move mountains here you just basically have to get along with trevor lawrence and stay out of his way
1: yeah i think anyone who doug peterson approves then i'm going to say is the right man for the job but certainly uh, i guess mia uh, reported this earlier the fact that nick holtz has a familiarity with chris taylor so that's good news someone comes in and, and they know you know who they're going to be working with
0: yeah and i think it the writing was on the wall that jim bob cooter was headed somewhere you know he's very respected they talked to him in tampa they talked to him in indianapolis where he landed uh he's there's probably some other people that had some interest. I think Carolina also. Carolina. And he's a good what coach. What a shot! Yeah, <laughs> Kevin Nolamo he just hit a, a turnaround three. You don't see those very often, do you?
1: He's fighting for his uh, red shirt senior life. Yeah, right
0: yeah now. he is. So uh, 21-13, good start for Ju. They're up eight on Bellarmine, 8:30 to play in the first half here at Swisher. This is kind of fun.
1: They're playing swarming defense.
0: Yeah, they are. And that's how. And that's really. And that's who. That's who Jordan Mincy is. A guy that will play swarming defense. Uh, but uh, Belderman will get another chance after a, a foul on JU after the rebound by the Dolphins, so no, it's a fun hearing. good crowd by the way, the students have showed up, oh yeah I was worried about the students not showing up earlier because at a 5 o'clock start, that student section is going to look good on ESPNU yes,
1: yeah, certainly, and, and like Alex Ricker-Gilbert the AD here at JU mentioned earlier, this is the first linear television game here at Social Gymnasium, so that's really cool, it's on ESPNU or you can listen to Scott Mamsey's call on 1010AM, 10, 10 Scott always does a terrific job, and, and yeah, like like we've said all show long, uh, Hayes started it off this is really important basketball for both of these teams
0: Yeah, certainly one more time. There's two games left in the regular season. Bellerman plays at JU tonight. Eastern Kentucky's at UNF tonight. On Friday, they switch. Bellerman's at UNF. Eastern Kentucky's here. And then those are the two of the teams. Those are four of the teams trying to get in to the uh, conference tournament. And Queens is the other one. And, Hayes, you made this point all along. Queens has a one-game lead on JU, tied with UNF. But their last, they have back-to-back games with their travel partner, Liberty, so they could very easily lose both and finish 7-11 and in the league.
2: Yeah, they'll be sizable underdogs uh, in both those outings to Liberty, and, and so th- that's what you need. You need Queens to lose out. That would certainly help. Uh, but, again, I mean, JU controls their own destiny. If they go 2-0, and uh, I think they're going to be in because there's just, uh, there's just so many other available losses for, for teams that they're bunched in there with. Uh, and, and right now they're certainly rising to the challenge. Bellarmine just has 15 points, so you're talking about on pace to score 48, 49. I mean, that's Jordan Mincy absolutely would have signed up for that. So hopefully that'll continue, and uh, Ju will then play a monster game uh, Friday against Eastern Kentucky, who was, who was good. They're third. Yeah, in, yeah. They're third in the league. I, 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 they're not Liberty, uh, and they're probably not Kennesaw State. But, uh, but certainly uh, they are a very strong team headed to the three seed. Back to the Jag staff for a bit. Nick Holtz is, is coming in. He'll be the pass game coordinator.
0: Do you anticipate any other staff change? Do you think this is at this juncture pretty much it?
2: I think this, is, this would be it. You know, he lost two and, and have filled those two. and So I would think now it gets, uh, it gets pretty quiet. And uh, Doug Peterson can really start to focus his uh, attention on free agency, and, and certainly the draft. He'll be at the Combine next week. And, uh, yeah, so I, I think I think the Jaguars are in a good place.
1: Do you think there's been anything unexpected that's happened this offseason as far as to affect Doug Peterson?
0: Good question. No, I'm trying to think through it. Um, none of the quarterbacks getting released affects this team. Um, no, I don't. I mean, I, I can't think anything... I think this offseason, to this point, has gone and will continue to go about the way you expect. I think the storylines could not be more clear. Keep the staff together as best you can. Continue to have, have another good offseason with Trevor and, and, his, and his running mates. Try to sign your own guys, Evan Ingram, Juwan Taylor, Arden Key, maybe some others. Uh, there will be some collateral damage there. Based on what it takes, if you got to franchise a guy and, and overpay another guy, then you could lose Man Agnew, some guy that you like, which you can play without, although I really like Agnew. But I think, Lauren asked a good question, I don't think there's much mystery to the storyline.
2: Yeah, I think so far it's been fine. I think if you're Doug Peterson, D'Amico Ryan's going to Houston doesn't overly frighten you, because uh, he's never done it. Uh, he certainly has a, has a strong resume. Uh, as a coordinator, uh, but it's a different ball game being a head coach. So I uh, You know, I, I doubt that that's kept him up at night uh, Tennessee, I, I think it you're kind of just waiting to see what they do at quarterback and Indianapolis, I can't imagine, you know, that they're the least bit concerned about what's going on with the Colts uh, Now it's really just waiting to see what do these teams do? Uh, at the quarterback position what did the Jesus Titans do with Tannehill? Uh, the Colts and Texans, do they trade up to one? Who ends up being uh, the the quarterbacks that those two teams settle on? And, again, if Tennessee elects to cut Tannehill and basically restart, uh, I mean, it's, it's going to be about as perfect an offseason for the Jaguars as it could be because now you're at a point where you're the only contender. You've got three teams that are basically all acknowledging uh, – at least somewhat of a of a retooling with new young quarterbacks. Meanwhile, you've got one of the best guys in the league. So, uh, you know, I, I think the the real in terms of the stuff the Jaguars can't control, I think the real mystery is going to come with Aaron Rodgers. I think Aaron Rodgers is a player that could certainly affect the Jaguars' fortunes in the uh, in the short term. And, and that's the one that I think if you're Doug Peterson, you're very eager to see what he ends up doing. I think you'd love to just see him retire. Um, if Aaron Rodgers does decide to continue, then you just want him to see, see him stay in Green Bay. Because, again, if they trade him, he's going to the AFC. I just can't imagine the Packers are going to trade him to an NFC team. So there's a good chance you're going to have to play him.
0: And I think you're right, Lauren. What you said, because you read somewhere or heard from a source, or read someone to the yeah. source, Aaron Rodgers, I don't think, is going anywhere. I, I think I, I, he's the one guy I get the hunt. that something was going to happen with him. By now, we'd have a better idea what it is.
1: Yeah, he just seems like he loves the attention, and that's yeah. what this has all been, and, and it will end up being kind of much ado about nothing. Doug Peterson did have to block the Ravens from interviewing Chris Taylor as offensive coordinator. I'm not going to say he was necessarily surprised by that, right. but I think that was a certainly a smart move to block them.
0: Yeah, and I'll say this, too. When you have a good team, that mean, which they obviously did, when you have a good team, that means you have good coaches. When you have good coaches, they get jobs. Everybody wants to move up. I know Doug pretty well. I'll bet you Doug is pleased as he can be. That the coaches that he likes and respects have a chance to do something special. I really believe that. I, I mean, so I.
2: Uh, when you have a good team, you have good coaches – and, Hayes, when you have good coaches, they get jobs. That's just how it is. Yeah, and that's the route that Doug Peterson took. Right. I mean, you know, he, he had great mentors. And, I, and you know, I think, I think Doug will certainly uh, reciprocate that to, to the coaches that are now part of the Doug Peterson coaching tree. And, uh, again, I mean, it, next offseason could be a totally different story. You let the Jaguars, uh, you know, go to an AFC championship game or better, and you're probably losing Press Taylor, and you right. certainly could lose Mike Caldwell. And, uh, you know, and, and then it gets tricky uh, in terms of uh, rebuilding your staff, but uh, what's happened so far this offseason shouldn't be anything that's going to remotely derail the Jaguars and the J.U. Dolphins are coming to life. <laughs> yeah, Yossi Powell just hit a three, and J.U.,
0: this is the best I've seen them play offensively. They've made about five threes, I think. They've made four or five threes, and there's still 435 to play in the first half. They lead Bellarmine 27 to 17. is a JU team playing very well. The crowd is in it, the students are in it. This is a good day for JU basketball, 27-17, as they lead Bellarmine. We'll take a break. When we come back, Lauren wraps the program with news and notes. Stay with us.
1: We have an excellent basketball game going on in front of us as the JU Dolphins are up twenty-seven twenty-two on the Bellarmine Knights here at Swisher Gymnasium. It has been a fast and furious first half with two eleven left to play. Frank, I'm looking at a CBS Sports 2023 NFL Mock Draft, and I have to tell you who goes number one overall, and that would be Anthony Richardson to the Indianapolis Colts via a trade from the Chicago Bears.
0: How about that? I uh, I saw that too. Uh, listen. I am. Um, we always preface it by how hard we're rooting for Anthony Richardson. I'll continue that. And if he becomes Cam Newton, as some suggest he could, I think that would be amazing. I don't think so, but I will tell you this, Hayes. He is going to. As Kevin Nolan drills a three, by the way, about the fifth or sixth three of the half for Ju, they're up thirty to twenty-two on Bellarmine here. I will tell you this, Hayes. He is going to blow people away next week. One of the fun things about being at the Combine next week is watching the wow factor when he walks around, when he walks around with those big arms, how, uh, what a good person he is, how much he'll wow them in interviews, his humility, and, then when he, and, and I assume he's going to throw, right? I, I, was, I would assume. Yeah.
1: I'm sure based off yeah. of how much he's been working on
0: that. I'm sure he's going to throw because he's not a sure bet thing. The guys that aren't sure bets usually do everything. So I'm just telling you, I'll bet you – he blows everybody away next week at the combine. I don't know if that means he's going to number one overall, but I'll bet he wows everybody.
2: Yeah, and this is a savvy mock drafter here doing this because of what you're saying. Yeah. Obviously the best week in the process for Anthony Richardson is going to be next week. Right. So I, uh, you know again this is there's a there's a little bit of a carnival barker element, I think, to to doing this. I, I would think gun to this man's head. Uh, he's probably not thinking Anthony Richardson is going one. Right. But when you're asked to produce a mock draft every week, these guys like to spice it up and change it up. And, you know, certainly that's understandable. And, look, he's, he's done what his company probably wanted him to do, create a mock draft that's going to generate a lot of conversation and activity. And I'm sure it's done that. I'd love to see this because I think the Indianapolis Colts would be making a gigantic mistake to trade up from four to one to take Anthony Richardson. So... And treating it or or commenting on it as an actual thing that might happen, I'd love to see it happen. I I think there's no chance this happens. I think this is a guy that, you know, has been doing mock drafts since November who just decided, hey, I'm going to put Anthony Richardson one because I know next week he's going to be one of the big stories when he runs a 4-5 and throws the ball 70 yards in the air.
1: How much will Doug Peterson and Trent Baalke in Indianapolis Be trying to figure out who the Colts and Texans are trying to get through the draft.
0: That's a great question. As as quarterback especially. Because we're all, they're fans too, just like we are. I think you're mostly next week worried about what you're going to do. I think think the teams, Lauren, I think if you're a general manager or a coach, the teams you care most about what they're going to do are the ones right ahead of you. Because that determines what you can do. So I think when you pay, when a coach or GM pays attention to what somebody else does, Hayes, it's about the guys in front of them, so it affects what they do. I think it's more that than what your what your in-season opponents do.
2: Yeah, great point. How about that defense there? That's uh, what the, that's what they did all last year. Yeah, uh, great block there. Mike, uh,
0: Mike Marsh and Omar Painter yeah. in the game together. Yeah. Yeah. Two six-ten guys who are big, physical players. No question about it. So, JU's J up 31-24, 40 seconds to play in the first half. It's as well as I've seen him play this year, and I've seen him play yeah. a number of times.
2: And this is, this is what we thought could happen. Does the, light, the light, you would think, is eventually going to turn on. I, look, I'm surprised the light didn't turn on in December. Yeah. For There was a lot of excitement in the preseason for this club for what they were bringing back, how close they got to the NCAA tournament last year, uh, the additions that they made. And, uh, and to this point, it's been disappointing. But if the light does come on for JU, they absolutely can win four or five games in a row and really make this thing interesting. So, again, getting ready to go to half here, and uh, Ju's got a nice lead.
1: And yeah, That'll it's gonna bad. gonna go to half 31-24. Like Frank said, as uh, Kevin Nolan went up the shop. Wow, the, the Bellerman coach
2: is livid at the official.
0: Yes, he is. He's holding a fist up, like he's is he is he accusing? Did you think Kevin Nolan can, or, or Omar? Was? They wow. are going to take
1: it to video review. So certainly there may be a, a few more seconds left in the half. Yeah,
0: it's interesting though. Nolan tried a desperation shot at the buzzer. Scott Davenport, the veteran coach from Bellarmine, is yelling at the official about something. Did he? Did he think he fouled him after the shot? Maybe.
2: If this call goes against Ju, will you pay tribute to Jay Solomon by getting a technical yes, foul? Yes, I will. <laughs> okay, good. I will. I'm, 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 close, I'm as close as Jay used to be.
1: <laughs> I know, Jay, you, the men's basketball team struggled with injuries this season. As every Florida men's basketball team fan knows, one injury can certainly change your team. And so I, I know that they had to work through that. But, but yes, yeah, so far in the first half, uh, assuming there's no more time put back on the clock for the first half, uh, it's been... A really good half from J.U. Omar Payne, who's had an up-and-down season, I think has been playing really hard and well. All right, Jordan Schultz of the Schultz Report tweeted today, Frank, that Evan Ingram and the Jaguars have had positive discussions on a long-term contract, and both sides are motivated to try to reach a deal before the March 7th tagline. Who would have thought? Yeah,
0: I appreciate. (laughs) What's his name? Jordan Schultz. I appreciate Jordan tweeting that. We've all known that they both want to live together next year, so of course they've had conversations. I'm not. So they did call a foul on Omar Payne. But I don't think J.U. Oh, JU is over the limit. That is their seventh. So it will be a one and one with .4 seconds left for Bellerman. So Scott Davenport won his argument. They called a foul on Payne. At the, I didn't notice that. They called a foul on Payne at the end of the half. So with .4 seconds, the uh, Bellermans, Kurt Hoff will go to the line for two. That yep. is really interesting that he won that battle.
1: It is, and, and he continues to work the official right now, I would say. He was as red Frank as uh, Clint Hurdle yeah, used
0: was. to be. Yeah.
1: Uh, Hayes, the odds are out for the 2023. Go ahead.
0: And he missed the free throw. So Poetic yes, justice. Yeah, it really was. So, he yeah. missed the front end.
1: Hayes, the odds are out for the 2023 regular season MVP for the NFL. Of course, Mahomes has the best odds. Followed by Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen. I think all those make sense, although I might argue Justin Herbert won uh, as much as I like him. But then it gets interesting. Tied with Justin Herbert is Tua Tungavailoa. They're both fourteen to one odds. Aaron Rodgers sixteen to one. Then Lamar Jackson and Trevor Lawrence eighteen to one. Should Tua Tungavailoa be higher than Lamar Jackson and Trevor Lawrence?
2: No, that's that's preposterous. Um, but uh, but I am excited. I'm gonna have 18 houses by this time next year. <laughs> the uh, I, I will
0: tell you, I will tell you as you as you watch some of this stuff for next year. What I like is, Trevor appears in everything. Oh you know, yeah. Trevor appears everywhere. He appeared uh, in Italy the <laughs> past ten days. <laughs> but uh, Trevor appears in everything, which I think is exciting. Is uh, again I can't say this enough times, Lauren. To your point, to your notes. we keep. It's been a long time. We had Jalen Ramsey appear but not as in the team it was, we got we got a team, a guy. We keep showing up in lists. I love being in lists and we're showing up in them.
1: A- Absolutely. Yeah. I just saw our friend Dr. Lance Snyder walk across the court. Yeah, we, we could uh, ask him about this note. 49ers quarterback Brock Purdy has been waiting for the swelling in his right elbow to reduce so he can have the torn UCL in it repaired. It was supposed to happen today, but it will be delayed due to the inflammation. That seems like not great news, but they don't seem overly concerned about it.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a concern. I, I think it's uh, very much in doubt that he'll be ready for training camp. But, again, we'll see what, what they ultimately decide to do. Um, Trey Lance will be ready. So we'll see if uh, what, what San Francisco does. And, again, uh, keep an eye on March 9th when Tom Brady changes his mind <laughs> and on March 12th when uh, he signs with the 49ers.
0: I do, th- <laughs> I, do think, I do think they are concerned about Brock Purdy. I think what you're seeing is they're now everybody is holding out hope that it's not Tommy John because that's a UCL injury that knocked you out for a year in chain. They're holding out hope. Look, Brock Purdy's pretty good. I mean, don't get lost in this. Brock Purdy, he may not be great and we'll never know how he was going to do in that game against the Eagles because he got hurt at the beginning, but he's pretty good and so I promise you if you're Kyle Shanahan, you're hoping against hope itself that somehow, way, he's back for the season. Regardless of what you have or don't have in Trey Lance, you're hoping like crazy the guy that got you one game for the Super Bowl is back.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I, he's, I'll be interested in seeing what becomes of his career. I'm not as high on him as you are. I mean, I appreciate the moxie and the poise that he showed, um, but I, I don't see a, a good starting quarterback Long term with Brock Purdy, but uh, but it, I'm, look, I'm yeah. I'm really interested in seeing what San Francisco does. They have everything else. Uh, if Trey Lance can stay healthy, maybe he's the answer. Uh, it, it, it feels like if they if they do figure it out at quarterback, uh, they could absolutely unseat Philadelphia in the NFC.
5: Where, where
0: are you on this? I, Hayes and I disagree. Now, I look, I see way more Kirk Cousins, Jimmy Garoppolo than I do Rogers or Brady. But I think Brock Purdy's pretty good. I think he I think he is a starting quarterback in the league. What do you think?
1: I'm actually more with Hayes. I think he was on a team with everyone. Everyone was a weapon around right. him. Right, great team, great and, weapon. And a perfect play caller for that type of quarterback who is pretty good, but I, I don't know that he's going to be a starter in the league even if he is 100% healthy. Uh, Final notes about college baseball. UNF lost to USC Upstate last night 15-7. They are playing a second game right now as we speak, or they might have finished earlier look up the score. JU last night, Gibby on the call, lost to FSU 11-2. Gibby, we talked to Alex Riker-Gilbert earlier. Pretty good FSU team, right?
2: Yeah, FSU's really good. JU's trying to find themselves. JU only
4: had three hits. They committed three errors last night. Florida State's on another level offensively. They're hitting over 380 as a team. They hit two more homers last night. FSU scored 45 runs in four games, so they're really hot right now.
0: And, and one thing Alex told us, they looked the part under Link Jarrett, as you knew they would. F- yep. Link Jarrett might win a national championship at JU, the thing that Mike Martin never did. Mike Martin Sr. never did, obviously. But JU, I mean FSU caught a break. They probably should have hired Link Jarrett the first time when he was at Greensboro. And they didn't, so Notre Dame hired him, and, and, and Junior Mike, Mike Martin Jr. got the job. If instead of Notre Dame hiring him, Hayes, if it had been LSU or Arizona, I'm not sure if he gets him back. But because he went to a school that's not going to win traditionally in baseball, he couldn't wait to get back to his
2: hometown. Yeah, and it seems like uh, you've been really excited about that hire. I mean, you, you were calling that one before... Uh, Yeah, I think they'd even sent out the press release announcing the departure of of Martin Jr. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be going to be fun to see. I I will say Florida State has yearned for that baseball national title for so long. If uh, if he delivers it, he will be an instant icon.
1: All right. That is going to do it for news and notes. Let us say hello to Hacker.
2: Now,
0: the two minute drill brought to you by Tire Outlook. Keeping 1010XL rolling with wholesale prices and premium service. Tire Outlet, Jacksonville's largest locally owned automotive repair shop. All oh right, man, Hacker joined us. Haven't seen Hacker in a while. Hacker, let me get right to it. How's the magic this year? Are they any good? I need to know. I need detail.
5: Hey, you know what? They've won 24 games, which is two more than they won all of last year. So it's all about progress, Frank. Progress is being made, and I'm excited about it. You're preaching
0: to the choir, bro. My team's going to hopefully lose ninety, not 100 this year, so I'm all about that. I'm all about that. How you been, buddy? What's going on? What's going on in the hacker world? I'm good.
5: I'm good. Yeah, things are well. Obviously very busy. Free agency less than three weeks away. Florida has bad news coming in seemingly every day of the week, so there's going to be a lot to get into here over the next two hours on Hacker After Dark.
0: You always have about 78 guests for a show, and I love it. You do a great job of that. Who are the guests tonight? Who's coming up? Yeah,
5: guest lineup is pretty heavy again tonight. We'll go down to Gainesville, Andrew Spivey, GatorCountry.com. What happened right. with Patrick Toney? Uh, Andrew's got some pretty interesting information on that. We're going to hear from him in the 7 o'clock hour. Steve Palazzio, one of the main guys at Pro Football Focus. We'll do a little Jaguar offseason with him. And then we will go to Las Vegas coming up in about an hour or so and talk to Mike Gramala, the Las Vegas Sun, kind of get some information on Nick Holes, who apparently is set to be the new passing game coordinator here with the Jacksonville Jaguars.
0: Palacio looks like an NFL player, doesn't he? He's about 6'6", 250. (laughs) Yeah. You ever see him? He's a big old dude, so, all right. hacker will be great. We'll be listening. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, guys. All right. Hacker Nation uh, filling in for Baloo. Baloo on vacay, so uh, Hackers got it for you. We're just about out of time. One more time. 31-24 at the half. JU leads Bellerman. JU desperately trying to get into the conference tournament. UNF needs one more win to get into the conference tournament as well. So it's, uh, it, it is It is great to have you guys with us now as we wind down. My man, John Leard, best PA guy around right there coming to say hello. John's a good man. He's as good as he gets. Folks, that's our program. Thanks for being part of it. We're out of here. Don't go anywhere, though. Hacker Nation is up next for... Hayes, Lauren, and Gibby. I'm Frank Franz. You Have a great night.